Welcome back to episode 35 of the All Music Is Good podcast. The podcast that takes a deep dive into a bunch of recent releases. We like to get right in there and try and work out what's great and not sometimes not so great about each one. This week, we're checking out albums from The Wombats, Yule, I believe it is, and yeah, Yule, and Fit for an Autopsy. Now, I think I may have led off the show with this before, but that's what the past two years have been, I think, and there's been false dawn after false dawn, but last week, not only did our Premier say, get on the beers, but he also uttered the now immortal words, get on the dance floor, and my word, Eric, did we get on the dance floor last weekend? Really felt like this one is for real this time. And sometimes on Saturday afternoon, there seemed to be a collective thought spread across the city that was along the lines of it's on. And on it was, it was palpable on the streets of this great city. Maybe a better analogy would be that, maybe like maybe if I was a prisoner in a maximum security jail and, you know, maybe like one night the guards just left and, uh, the, you know, I'm leaning on my cell gate and it just, I'm just Oops. contemplating life and it just swings open. Wow. And like for that one moment, I'm like, I'm confused and wary. So did you have like Stockholm syndrome? Well, like I'm just, what I'm trying to say is like, you know, I was wary, but then all of a sudden, like, you know, I've walked out, I've looked around, no one's here and you get that hit of adrenaline and it feels like freedom and you just go. And that's what Saturday night, Saturday night felt like around the city for me. Because, dude, it was anarchy out on the streets. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know what you were doing, Rx, Saturday night. But where I was, when I, look, I was munching on my uh, piece of pepperoni pizza oh, from Lambs on Brunswick. Two dollar, two dollars still. Two fifty um, from Lambs on Brunswick at uh, you know two a.m. in the morning, just sort of thinking like how good is this it's yeah. back we're back and uh look i was dazed and confused the next day but i was in a very happy state and i was proud to be there now look look if i could somehow bottle those vibes and bring them to this podcast tonight i'd be a happy man but alas i have a co-host who wasn't exposed to that hedonism that was last saturday night so I can only hope he can bathe in the aura of my get on the dance floor vibes and bring his A game to episode 35. So it's with those sentiments that I say hello. Welcome to my co-host, Arik Bloom. Arik, good evening and welcome. Thank you, Waza. Um, look, you know, I'm I'm loving this kind of optimism and um, just enthusiasm you've kicked us off with today. Um, it's, it's unusual. The, it is unusual. Look, yeah. for, the, for those tuning in, um, uh, you know, uh, our co-host tonight, Waza, basically played a show that um, has been two years in the making with four cancellations. Is that correct? Uh, I can't remember whether it was three or four, but I'm just saying four. So we're uh, basically, um, if you're tuning in for the first time, um, was a plays in that the Kylie Aldis band is the, the co the co writer the the band leader yeah and uh, well, how was it a, a band of ten on the night cast uh, stage? eleven it was eleven eleven people. eleven was live epic. musicians playing absolute stonking boogie to a fully sold out night cat and um you know what was happening like what happened was that um the phone you know we're in the in the green room at the night cat mm. and the phone was just ringing 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 and there was leaving messages are there tickets available are there tickets available wow. are there tickets on the door and 
So I think we'd sold like about 400 and then the walk-ups were just insanity. Like it just like, it, that's what I'm saying. Everyone just like, we're we're going out. out and about. We're out. It's on. It was interesting. I, I caught up with um actually one of your bandmates, Netta Romani, who, oh, yeah. um, yep. who she, I saw her the day after and she was also in that kind of glow of the post Kylie gig and, um, and she said that uh, when she was driving to the gig, there were all these young people dressed in like tennis, like 80s tennis gear. And from what I understand, like the, like there was a bit of a 80s tennis kind of a vibe to the kind of um, dress code for the band. For, for the females of the band, apparently. Yeah, like, you know, I can't control that. But yep. uh, it was a thing. And apparently what Netta was saying was that um, it's, there must have been some kind of something in the air that just brought the tennis vibes out <laughs> to Brunswick Street because apparently there was a tennis vibe where you were and all across Fitzroy. Really? So, yeah, wow. apparently so. But um, look, to answer your question, Waza, um, what did I do? I watched James Bond on Saturday night. Mm, what um, time were you in bed? Uh, I was in bed at 11.30. Excellent. So I'm, I guess, in COVID purgatory. Um yeah. As I count down the days towards, uh, it's happening towards having a kid. So it was actually, you know, a, a bittersweet night because, in fact, after yeah, you were supposed to be playing much corralling and arm twisting for Waza, I was uh, an yeah, artist you, that I play you with. Begged yourself to begged get on myself the gig. onto yeah. the gig, <laughs> and um, I was going to play Ableton for uh, the, the opening act, Jackie Tuit. And then it just dawned on me about two weeks out from the gig that I couldn't really be in live music venues just right now. Yeah. Um, and in all honesty, your replacement was way far better. better than way you better. Been. Anyway, so, so he played piano. Like, I know. And well, triggered able to. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> so it, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely, I'm just trying to think of the analogy when the, um, <laughs> the emergency kind of comes through and becomes like, you know, el- rookie list elevation. That's right. And you've gone from vice captain of the team to totally, not even a contract totally. next it's, year. I, yeah, I'd yeah. say it's kind of like the, um, <laughs> like the you know, Anthony McDonald, Tipper Woody factor where he comes in as a rookie, becomes the best, and then the captain, Zarakis, is, you know, playing in the reserves. You know what I'm, I'm feeling now is that I'm feeling that this is an analogy that we're going to talk about in six months' time when you take, you know, some time off for paternity leave and your yeah, replacement yeah. comes in and then all of a sudden you don't have a gig, you know. I think, that, I mean, you know, I'm staring down the barrel to a lot of underemployment moving forward. <laughs> yeah. I think the um, I think the charade may well be up. Um, you know, it, it only takes, uh, only takes a, a little amount for people to see through this hollow mesh. And your replacement, which we will introduce next week, has got a track record of saying some pretty outrageous stuff. That's also true. That's also true. So look, uh Saturday night was uh James Bond, the new the new Bond, which was um which was really, really not great. I'm not sure if you've seen it was. Have you seen it? No, I'd like to. Yeah. Look, definitely not don't 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 worry about that one. Um oh, I really? was yeah, okay. I was definitely on the Instagram just like just hanging for Kylie oldest gig content <laughs> um and it, it looked amazing um yeah so in bed by 11 30 woke up the next day fresh as a daisy but you know in true warren hunter style mr bounce back himself i've popped the call in at about what 9 45 and there he is chipper yeah i was at know, cricket i think fully you know fully <laughs> dressed <laughs> um he's obviously you know he's probably done a run water the garden you know um sent a few emails and he's got, you know, got the car packed, ready to go to Ballarat for another gig. I broke my two-month fast, though, on uh, on uh, Sunday oh, so with, you, with pizza. Because hey, I had pizza at 2 a.m. I thought, I'm not going to wait. What's your fast? To, I would just do like this sort of 18, what is it, 16 and 8, like where you don't eat from 
dinner oh, yeah, time yeah, yeah. till whatever. You know, that's absolutely. It's a, it's a ridiculous diet. Oh, I think it's amazing. It's worked so well for Has me. It? I feel okay. so good. But yeah. um, you know, when you're eating pizza at two a.m. in the morning, you don't. You know, I'm sort of thinking, I'm not going to wait to eight the next night to eat again. This is ridiculous. So yes. I broke it. Um, but but, but yes, still the bounce back. I still bounce back and like you know. We had a gig on in um, Ballarat on Sunday evening and then I went, I was just telling our guest who will introduce in a second that I went and had dinner at my friends. I want to shout out to Cam and Chantel at Odessa's in uh, Creswick and they Oof. opened their bar, their wine bar for us on uh, Sunday night to come and have a, a private dinner and uh, we sat around the baby upright, baby grand upright and played some songs. What did you and, play? I played uh, Two Out of Three Ain't Bad by Meatloaf Ooh. and uh, also a, uh, one of Kylie's songs. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I bet you did. Yeah, yeah. Here's a couple of mine. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and they served us like a uh, – they because, they, you know, they're doing it tough in the, uh, the hospitality industry. Regional. They, the new um, – they get venison from, uh, from a supplier down in Portland and – instead of like giving them one kilo bags, now they're only selling it in five kilo bags. So when they opened up the venison, they got the venison delivered and all of a sudden they, they got five kilo. It. They had to finish it. So they cooked up this beautiful venison, slow-cooked venison curry and I, um, opened up some bottle of a lot, bottles of uh, local wine and such a beautiful way to finish such an epic weekend. I had a similar um, kind of uh, supply chain um win when I was when I was looking for rat tests actually yeah, here we go. because um apparently so there was a pharmacy in Sydney that um <laughs> was trying to hock them off you know as individual packs for like 50 50 bucks a hit and someone called them out and um and this was when like you know when we're at peak need rats yeah and I'd certainly needed a few and I, and I, I, I remember it, you said that I've got heaps of rats but it wasn't like you were offering to give any away. No, no, no. I, I got heaps of rats to sell. Right. And, oh, um, that's what it was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so my mate basically, he went to get some rats and he's like, dude, you can't get them in single shots. You can only get boxes of 50. I was like, get me a carton. Um, so, you know. How much was I, a 50 carton? 50 carton was like 300 bucks. That's pretty good. It was great. And, you know, I mean, mark it up, sell them 35 to your best friends and you're flying, you know. So... Well, as a COVID, not a COVID survivor, like I just don't think I can get COVID no matter how hard I try. Oh, so, you know, don't, don't even, don't, don't even, touch don't it. Touch don't touch it. Don't touch it. But you know what? We're not going to talk about COVID tonight because as you said, was it? Dance floors are open. And what better way to bring in these, you know, the, the opportunity to, to, to show your moves in public than to introduce our guest. Okay, what what is that segue? I'm not feeling that yet. Well, we're going to ask. Link it somehow, well, I'm going to try and link it once we uh, once we introduce him. In fact, it's funny because I've I don't think it's, it's not going to be one of those segues where I have to find a song that actually does the segue. Something as, dance, you link something, it well. something, maybe yeah, okay, like a Jamiro Kwai song or something. <laughs> okay. um, but you know, actually, you know, we'll talk a bit more about you know our our long friendship. But I'm you know of all of the times that um. I've spent time with our guest. I don't think we've ever um, had a dance. I think all we've done is we've done a lot of sitting and we've done some walking. Um, so maybe, maybe, maybe the time is nigh to to shift that. Given dance floors open, it is with great pleasure that we introduce to the All Music Is Good podcast, music industry oligarch, which I termed earlier. 
but also um, brilliant musician in his own right, a, a drummer of incredible, incredible skill across multiple genres. Please welcome to the podcast, Mr. Chris O'Neill. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Waza. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Long-time so, fan. Long-time fan. Yes. First-time guest. Good to be here. <laughs> thank you for coming. Oh, so, Thanks for having me. Do you remember the first, I mean, you know, whilst we're kind of uh, pumping up our own tyres, do you remember, like, what what was the first pod of the All Music Is Good podcast you listened to that made you a fan? Oh, do you remember? I need to think of what albums. I Look, I've listened to so many. Mm. <laughs> How does one come across this podcast? All right, told me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I forced him. Simple. I forced him. Oh, that's sad. Uh, look, uh, <clears throat> it's a deep dive into records. I love it. Uh, I go and listen to the albums, put them on my own playlists. Great. It's, great. it's good stuff. Oh, amazing. And I do pick up, you know, you've got, you, you, you both have great ears and your guests as well. Yeah. Uh, many things I would not have picked up myself. So it's an honour. Oh, well, we are we are so chuffed to have you here. So a little bit about um, yourself, Chris. I'll, I mean, I'll just read some of the bio information. I guess um, uh, starting, like, music started in, on drums. Would you say that's kind of the, like, the kind of, you know, the original tool? Uh, yeah. Well, look, I did learn violin as a child. But okay. I came to drums uh, with my father was a drummer. Okay. He offered me free drum lessons if I cut my hair. <laughs> So wait, how my, old were you when you had this long hair? Oh, uh, <laughs> 13 or something. I, I cut my hair, got the drum lessons and then grew my hair back. As a Brisbaneite though of, you know, local, local Brisbaneite or yeah, long-term yeah, Brisbaneite, yeah, that yeah. was a thing though, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. In the, uh, what was it, when were you a child? In the, in oh, the 90s? that was in the 90s. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. late 90s. Okay. Um, so yeah, drumming, uh, went and studied music at QUT, continued to drum and everyone needed a drummer at QUT. So. Yeah, right. Yeah, with long hair. With long hair. Did you have long hair when you enrolled in the course? I did. Yeah, it only got longer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's really funny because I've only known you since you've had short hair, but like this, this hair has been a real fit. Like it's been, it obviously a real kind of bond on this music um, experience of yours. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big part of it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what's happening here? So, so to go. Well, no, I. I mean, basically, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the bio soon, but. Um, Let's let's start with uh, I guess one of the you know Australian rock royalties, but you know also even more royal. You said was it in the UK, uh, Robert Forster? You drummed with him for some time. Yeah, did a uh, did a tour with Robert uh, with uh, off the back of his record songs to play. We mm. went through Australia and went into the UK and all through Europe, um, which is great fun. Wow, and was your no, no, the hair was gone. Okay, hair was short hair. Well, short Robert's, hair Robert's got short hair too. He does, he? yeah. He's yeah. a very smart Do you think man. you would have gotten the gig had you had that long I hair? I don't think I would have. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, Luke from the band kind of had shaggy hair, but he was an exemplary musician. So okay. I think that's what got him over the line. Um, what sort of uh, venues were you playing? Uh, in Australia? No, in the UK and Europe. Uh, we're playing probably, yeah, we were playing like, you know, 300 300, 500 cap rooms yep. in the UK or in Australia? Uh, or kind of both, really. Yep. Um, but we did um, we did Primavera, played a great stage at Primavera um, and, yeah, a whole bunch of different stages over there. It's good fun. I mean, I couldn't believe it when I got over there. Every single fan in the room knew every lyric of every yeah, one of his Primavera songs. Primavera in Barcelona? Yeah. 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 Was, that, was that an outdoor thing or was it? Uh, the stage we played was an indoor and stage. And what year was that? Oh, it's probably about f- four years ago. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, an amazing experience. Yeah. 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 Cool. Great guy. Cool. Well, cool. Well, having just read the book, Robert Forster's autobiography, like uh, maybe a year ago, um, because the go-betweens that was they were primarily uh, a European touring band, and they were massive in Germany and um, not Easter Bloc, but yeah, I think it was Germany and then Holland and yeah, and Italy, Spain, and especially the UK, and they were based in the UK. Yeah, they made their breaks there. Yeah. Uh, and then hung out with a bunch of, you know, strange like birthday party and whatnot over there and the stories are pretty wild. And what, what's the guy's name for Ed, um, what's his Ed name? Ed Cooper? No, not Ed Cooper, he's Australian. There's, um, who's, who wrote the song Never Known Eddie, a Girl Eddie Like Vedder? Me Before? No. <laughs> no. Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> I like it, I like it. None of those are correct. Save your guesses to the Instagram like of the week. <laughs> um, I can't remember now. It's a great there, story was. There, but there was, um, yeah, geez, I should have read the book recently. I didn't. I had no idea I was going to be so topical with my recent reading. But, um, yeah, anyway, incredible guy. Like, and, and, I mean, obviously massive in the Queensland market, but not never really fully recognised, I think, you know, in Australia, especially Melbourne and Sydney, I don't reckon. Yeah, I mean, they've got a bridge now in Brisbane, the go-between bridge. Yeah, of course. Oh, right. It's an exciting yeah. time for them. But um, Is that kind of like an ACDC lane kind of moment? Or? I, I think so, yeah. yeah. I, I actually have a feeling it was voted by the public. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's right. But, um, yeah. Look, Streets of Your Town, one of the great, you know, it's not that Robert wrote that song, but um, one of the great, Iconic Australian great songbook song. songs. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, cool. So Robert Forster, we've got uh, Tara Simmons, is that correct? Tara Simmons. Simmons. Yeah. Uh, just a bunch of songwriters through through Brisbane, really. Yeah. Uh, did a whole lot of work kind of with great songwriters in, in Brisbane. Long hair. Oh, uh, both actually. I played, okay. I, I played, Trans- with, I played okay. with Tara for many years. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So that's definitely a like a, a crossover act. Yeah. Um, Asa or Asa? Asa. Asa Asa Brimhall. Yeah. So I mean, I guess the reason I'm, you know, the, for as as just horribly Melbourne focused yeah. people, yeah. like this is a really good opportunity to kind of learn a bit about that. Yeah, and scene. the Brisbane scene, absolutely. Because yeah. um, it's always seemed us- to be a bit of the dark art. You know, when you look, Melbourneians, you know, we can go to Sydney and we can go to Adelaide and we can go to Perth, yeah. but Brisbane just has always been that spot where you don't tour because the marketplace is just so different. And it seems like the music they listen to is really different. But so then you'll go to the Sunshine Coast. Do you know what I mean? Like you'll 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 pass mm. over Brisbane, do mm. Sunshine Coast, then that will be more kind of with a Melbourne Sydney lens. It's a weird thing. Anyway, maybe I guess can sort yeah, of I mean, just yeah. talk us through it. Oh, look, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. You, you're right on, was I think you know Melbourne bands find it difficult to break the Brisbane market, but there's amazing music that comes out of Brisbane. You know, that and there's you look at kind of the artists that are coming out. Um, you know, we were just talking about Holy Holy earlier who are, have been from Brisbane in the past and, um, you know, Jungle Giants, Last Dinosaurs, all this, this great indie sound coming out of Brisbane. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even artists like Emma Louise, who's kind of internationally recognised now, came mm. Brisbane via Cairns. And so, you know, I think Queensland um, really packs a punch when it comes to the songwriting. Powderfinger. Powderfinger, Savage Garden, Savage Regurgitator. Regurgitator. Girling. Girling, um, yeah. yeah. Pangaea. Pangaea. Yeah. So, <laughs> look, they're around. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, way I always thought about it was that, like, you know, you go up to all those sort of festivals that ran from the northern beaches or, the, you know, from Byron up to wherever, say a town, I don't know, that's somewhere north of Bundaberg or something. But it... I always I came to I went to um I was at your Monday market one day or something and it was hot and there was some 
you know, indie sort of slow jam band playing and everyone was sort of swaying to it in the hot sun. I'm like, oh, this is why these bands, you know, live up here because the music that they play reflects the weather. Mm. And then I started thinking about maybe that's why reggae got big because it's really hot in Jamaica sure. and they just sort of sort of have swaying music. And so that might, that might uh, answer the, the desert reggae here yeah, in Australia yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah absolutely. Because like, you don't want to move. You just sort of sort of sway and sort of pick up some sort of breeze. There's not, there's not much summery music in, made in Melbourne. You know what I mean? Like, like when you think of like the quintessential um, stuff that kind of broke through, you don't think of summer vibes, happy vibes when you think of Melbourne music. Mm. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like th- but you listen to someone like Bobby Arlu. Yeah, who's kind of Is from Brizzy, but yeah. you know, northern northern New South Wales. Yeah, can't get much summary than that. Much more summary. Than That's that. true. That's true. Anyway, so weird theory, but I mean, like, I, I think I said it more from the, um, you know, the four triple Z who always seem to be hard to crack when everybody, you know, any other community radio station in Australia seemed to be okay, but it seemed to be so mono genre centric. Yeah, in uh, with with their indie and their sort of rock. Um, we are so spoiled here, though. Yeah, with community so. radio. Yeah, yeah. comparatively. Yeah. yeah. Um. So we've spoken about some of these singer songwriters, and now we're going to move to another time of your life where you played with a band called Preference, not to be mistaken for Breakfast. Um, <laughs> talk us through that. So, what was that? What was that vibe? Are they all, was that also a singer songwriter? No, Preference was just a metal band. Okay. Yeah, look, it was a whole lot of fun. I, uh, you know, it, it was this, the, the sort of band where I kind of ran the band to a point, you okay. know, co-managed with with the band. Uh, it was uh, a whole lot of fun. We, yeah. You know, we, we kind of got to the point of being noted in Brisbane, starting to get some kind of big supports. Like what? Like uh, what? I mean, what, what's a big support in that scene? Oh, uh, well, at, at that time we were playing with bands like Parkway Drive. And, okay. Um, you know, full scale. Uh, no, full scale. I'm trying to think of some Melbourne bands we played with. Um, Segression. Segression. They were Sydney, weren't they? Segression. Yeah. Uh, but I look, coming in for an education tonight. Yeah. 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 But you know, metal was just something I always loved, and just you know, it's 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 a different as a drummer or as an instrumentalist. Yeah. Metal is always kind of a, you know, it's it's about being a performer. It's about being able to play your instrument as well as you possibly yeah, yeah. can for yeah. that style, you know. Yeah. And was that like when – because you, you went to the QUT, so you did the music course over there. Was that like a jazz course, contemporary music course? Like where does metal sit in that kind of progression? Because it like going through your bio, lots of singer-songwriters, you've gone to QUT. So where does that kind of all fit in? It just fit in, you know. Like yeah. I think we, I, it was just a straight Bachelor of Music at QUT. I did actually did sound recording and acoustics. So – that's where I kind of learned how to talk to producers in sessions yep. down the track. And, um, you know, I, I was always in a metal band at that time and then I did singer-songwriters on the side. And looking back at it, you know, I'd turn up to a singer-songwriter session with a mega bell ride cymbal. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's a bit of a cringe moment now. But yeah. um, Did you always, did you always pack your toms? Uh, yeah, of course. Like at what point did you stop packing toms? But I, always, I only ever played a four-piece kit in the metal band. Okay. So, um, Interesting. And wow. In okay. fact... Funnily enough, uh, we might talk about that later on too. But, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah. Look, it's um, it's just always been a part of my upbringing, and it's, it's you know, like, I, I, I honestly would have thought at this age I would have given up and thought metal. Yeah, I'm over I it. Think I, I still quite enjoy it. Because if you if you did follow Chris O'Neill on um, Instagram through lockdown, there was a little bit of that going on on the um, on the on on the drum pad a little uh, bit. Yeah. Yeah. I saw like you know there was a there was serious speed. 
Yeah, speed paradiddles. Yeah, a bit of that. Yeah, yeah, bit of that. Yeah. So that was that was uh, definitely a a nod. Hey, so can I ask a question? Like, sorry for my naivety about the Brisbane music education scene. Like, so is there um, one music school or is there two? Like, what's how many um, degrees? Oh, uh, there's two. There? There's the Con and there's QUT. Right. Uh, the UQ offers music, but most people do music therapy over there instead. Uh, but and there's um, there's some great TAFE courses as well. Um, but yeah, predominantly it's it's you either go to the Con or QUT, and quite often in second year, you know you get the swap people go over to the con and people come from the con right um but yeah they're the main two okay and um so what there's and that's what 20 or 30 graduates like each year how many people go through this uh well this is a plethora is there a glut of graduated musicians in queensland yeah and i think a lot of them go on and do a a year of education and become music teachers um but, you know, there's uh, the Gold Coast TAFE is great too. Brad Hosking, who's Amy Shark's MD, okay. he, he runs that. Uh, he's he's great down there as well. But, um, yeah, look, I think there, there are a lot of people that graduate. Um, what they do past that. I mean, yeah. I, I feel very fortunate to continue to work in the industry, Yeah. Um, to have a day job as well and, and deal with songwriters and in industry each day and, um, you know, continue to drum conveniently when it suits me. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. So speaking of the day job, obviously um, – a touring musician but also found some work in the music industry so tell us a little bit about that so you work for APRA AMCOS yes that's right so give us give us a quick um top line on of, of what they do and, and what you do well APRA AMCOS pay royalties to songwriters yep. for when their work is performed broadcast streamed um and we license uh anyone who uses music in their business uh in order to collect the royalty on behalf of the songwriter um, Something tells me you've you've given this spiel before, Chris. A couple of times, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, been with Africa quite a while, and uh, my role now works in uh, industry engagement uh, within the membership department. So I deal a lot with um, managers, uh, industry orgs, uh, and we deliver a whole lot of programs together um, for our members. And you still kind of in your day get that kind of buzz of being around music, or do you, or is it something that you're just kind of you know, it could be any kind of office job. That's a loaded question. No, I love it. Okay, good. It's not a loaded it's, question. It's not an office job. It's not all. an office job. I never feel that way. I, I feel very, very fortunate to have my job and I am really grateful and I I rarely, rarely go to work thinking that I don't want to go to work. And but like the music bit, like do you get to be around music? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the that's the beauty of it. I can be around music as much as I need to. You know, like I'm, I'm my job isn't to listen to music. Yep. A lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, my job is to talk about music, and then I see the outcome of some of the things that we deliver and get to listen to it. Or yep. I follow the career path of of artists. You know, like ballpark music and all yep. these sort of bands that I've dealt with since they were kind of seventeen, sixteen. Um, through to the, where they are now and it's just it's a real treat to get to see their career and mm. see what what happens you know it goes both ways you know you see sometimes it, it ends pretty poorly but yep. um yeah that's a that's a really important part of the job yeah that's cool uh, yeah i just i think sometimes you know when you think about um you know like i think of like that guy obviously like you know jimmy iovine dre these, you know, and I put you in the same category. Thank you. Yeah, um, that's where I belong. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, when they kind of, you know, when when you kind of transition from sort of being a maker and then you're like in the music business and and then like any business, it can just become business or, you know, or admin or whatever. But, you know, it's not like 
it not not everyone does still get that sort of actual connection to music like i know i i've observed in my time there are a lot of people that sort of sit within that music industry space that actually are not across the music of the industry mm. they're just in that machine you yeah know? and you know apra amcos is a big business and there's you know yeah there's hundreds of people that work here and some of those people do very monotonous jobs in the background where sure. they're, they're processing song registrations or you know payments and yeah. things like that and that's technically within the music industry totally, but totally. it's not quite so i feel very fortunate to be front-facing and kind of more engaged with the industry and the I, musicians. Remember, I remember doing a um and i'll throw to you in a sec was but i remember doing a um yeah similar i was doing some kind of i just need work and i found myself working at a publisher and my job was to basically tag some a bunch of songs um i had to listen to like hundreds of songs and tag them as what the genre was and it was like and all four genres you know what i mean like it was like it was like indie alternative rock you know roots that was it and i just had to just pop them in and Is that for triple m no it wasn't for triple m oh, but okay, by, okay. by the end of the Probably wouldn't by the roots, end of like the, the couple of weeks i was there i was like this is not music you know what i mean i'm not i'm not involved yeah. in music all i'm doing is just data entry and i might enjoy doing a data entry job at a bank with headphones on yeah, all day yeah, listening yeah. to my, the music I like. We you could have done I mean? both probably, <laughs> just written it down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you had a question was. Oh, no, I was really just going to say what's the, um, what's the last two years look like for APRA? Oh, look, it's been pretty grim to be honest. Uh, we saw a staff reduction as a result because we lost, um, you know, revenue uh, just with fewer people using music. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was a really tough time to, to have to see – um, some staff leave um, and then beyond that dealing with musicians day in day out who were in a really dire situation yeah you know um, people who were your classic gig dogs you know they may not have been famous but they've been doing the standard three setter blues shows for the last yeah, you yeah. know six years or whatever so, yeah um, suddenly it's just been pulled out from underneath them so uh, we 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 tried our best to deliver. Uh, you know, yeah, how did you pivot? Did you have to pivot at all in that respect? Yeah, well, we had to turn our event series completely virtual in the, at the drop of a hat. We had to deliver a whole lot of um, grant and sustainability opportunities mm. to our members instead of um, them submitting their performance reports that they couldn't do. Yeah. Um, well, right now we're we're offering them to to submit their cancelled gigs and we'll pay a royalty or. Before that, we had what was called a sustainability fund where people could apply for money to, you know, continue on with their their life. Um, and then we worked really closely with um, organisations like Support Act to, um, you know, try and get as much money out the door as we could and, and then lobby government to try and make sure they understood the impact it had because as we and that all was know, big, wasn't it? Yeah. music was uh, the first to be impacted and one of the last to come back. Yeah. So, mm. um, yeah, it was a, a really challenging, has been a really challenging time and it's been uh awful to hear the stories of so many songwriters yeah. um and our full credit to the the reps that work um on that front facing you know that are taking the calls because there's been some really um you know difficult moments yeah mm. and the um and uh, you know honestly the you know we might have been optimistic about it in our intro tonight but the flow-on effects for all this are going to be felt for, for a while so long and you know we're only just coming back so Money doesn't flow tomorrow. It doesn't. It's flowing in a year's time. Yeah, so. and, I, and I think as well, like you know, thinking about your show that you had to sell out, um, but that was a show that got kind of like sold out before 
we went into another yeah. bunch of lockdowns yeah. and I, like, well, I'm certainly noticing shows that like are kind of like new shows are not necessarily selling as well because there's, people are just not there yeah, yet. Yeah, the confidence isn't there. No. But, the, but the other thing as well is it's, it's not over in the sense that all it takes is one band member or touring party to have COVID and then the gig's off. Absolutely. And then it's a reschedule and then the venues are packed because they've been rescheduling for the last six months and, you know, trying to find a window of opportunity for everyone and the venue is challenging. Um, you know, I was talking to a, a member who was booking a US tour that he uh, has rescheduled seven times uh, and he said uh, the first time he, he scheduled the tour it took him like six days and the seventh time it took him a couple of hours. So, <laughs> it's, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. if one thing he's learned how to properly reschedule which is, um, you know, his, his silver lining. Do you think like from what you've seen dealing with lots of songwriters, you know, in the pandemic people, <clears throat> I think there was this sort of myth of like, oh, you know, like artists, they'll just go into their bedrooms and just write write heaps of music um, because, you know, they're creative beings and that's how they express themselves and aren't artists likely to have that platform to self-express? Mm. Was did Is that something that you were able to observe? Well, we tried to kind of uh, encourage that by offering those the creative recovery fund, you know, which was kind of saying here's some money to, to, to buy some gear and write with other people. Uh, and we also did a whole lot of co-writing things where we would, you know, you could apply to write with someone else and it was curated and you kind of have a co-writing session. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think it did happen, but we heard a lot of people saying, I'm in no mental capacity to be writing yeah. right now. I don't feel creative. Because, because that, 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 that flies in the face of just standard, like, quantitative business yeah. data. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, you, like a retailer can't, a retailer could never say, "I just not in the mood to sell shit." Yeah. yeah. Um. But 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 like a songwriter is a different kind of business. It is, and it's all from the heart, and yeah. that's the hardest part. And you know, the other part of it is they've written, and they've now they've now the artists have to record, uh, and now they have to release, and and so many artists were holding off releasing yeah. until there was a moment mm. and you, you can't know, do that it's like and buying now a house yeah and now suddenly there's you know a year old record yeah. that publishers and labels are sitting on and saying can we release this yet yeah. and now they've you know the artist may not be ready and Attached. there's a, yeah there's the, the kind of imposter syndrome around whether they think it's worthy of being released yep. after what they've been through and yep. yeah look it's 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 a challenging on. time. I mean, yeah. we could talk for hours on this. It's like it's so it's it's serious. I don't know what you're feeling like. You know whether you're feeling optimistic about where we're going. Um, but uh, it's not gonna be fixed quickly. Um, yeah, I think everyone's really cautious. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, I, I think that people are cautiously optimistic because no one knows what's around the corner. No. Mm -hmm. Mm. I guess so. so but, and you know, oh, no, actually, I'll stop. No, 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 as a sort of. You know, the money flows to you after the money's earned, like for, for that business model, APRA um, cost, isn't it? It's not like it's not like, you know, the money comes up front and then you distribute it out. It's got to be earned, gets to goes to APRA and then comes back to the musician. So it's always like that flow on effect, which is, you know, people just waiting and want to get back to work and, and want to get busy and it's it's difficult. Like I imagine it's really difficult as an organisation. Yeah, but you know, like the the positive side of it, which we're hearing from the recorded music industry, is that 
sales have been great. And, you know, the, if, if, if any side of the sector's propped itself up, it's the recorded side of the sector. So, um, you know, without getting too industry, but... No, no, go, go. Um, I think that's a really um, positive thing Absolutely. for a lot it's of artists. And it, it's, it's, you know, it's really held up a lot of the industry. And is, would you say that is in, inclusive of, say... So, you, obviously, there's like your mega bands. So, if ACDC put out a record, then sure... But does that also cross over to sort of the more sort of mid-tier world? I, th- I think the indie labels certainly have spoken to that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's all just majors. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, um, you know, and, and our digital revenue has gone up a lot as well through mm. more and more people using it and yep. more revenue going through, you know, streaming services and, and um, video on demand services as well, yep. like your stands and your networks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so it... it there, there is an, a so side. So there is a revenue stream that is flowing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just how that gets returned to the songwriters, yeah. which is the challenging yeah. part, as yeah. we all know. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh man, so interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, let's um, let's keep it going. All right. Uh, um, well, we yeah, let's try and be as interesting with uh, discussing music tonight as we are with discussing music business. But um, <laughs> maybe we should go to the uh, first. You, you know, we've gone, we've gone, we've um, gone left sets. We've gone full left sets. <laughs> My favorite, you know that Bob Left Sets. You know, have you heard of Bob Left Sets before? Definitely, uh, definitely check him out. He's uh, probably our spiritual. Um, um, what would you say? Well, he is Mister Music. He's Mister Music. Check out Bob the Bob Left Sets podcast. The guy speaks to some pretty interesting people, and oh, he's been around for forever. If I have to listen to his comments about terrestrial radio again, I'll just have to like, <laughs> shoot myself. That's so interesting. Anyway, Waza, yes, take us to our first segment of the week. All right, I would love to do that. The Instagram Like of the Week is a segment that celebrates a new Instagram account we have come across between episodes. It might be a former clown dressing, rock reggae band member turned country music superstar or an ex-member of Dawson's Creek with the perfect Instagram family. But you can be sure it's someone who will add to our rich and varied Instagram account as we follow follow here at the All Music Is Good podcast. And each week I invite Arik and our celebrity guest, Chris O'Neill, to guess who this mystery account may be. As we reiterate each week, it's not about the amount of likes our account gets. It's more about the honour one should and no doubt would feel from having the All Music Is Good Instagram account like them. So, Arik, look, I'm just going to put it out there. There's a bit of controversy around tonight's um, guest. Oh, God. Because I did the... Um, <laughs> no, not, not in that way. <laughs> and I know you're very aware of that sort of stuff, Arik. <laughs> so I wouldn't do that to you. It's sort of like when I, um, you know, when I pulled you up on the women's AFL last oh week, my God, you were mortified. Don't you start, don't you start. Um, we haven't discussed that either, but we should one day. Oh, uh, now read your script. <laughs> now look, I went, I researched this person today, and I did my research, and then when I went to look for the Instagram account, I couldn't find one. Oh, wow. So look, instead of like actually, I was gonna then go, I was gonna pivot, mm. pivot to Joe Beth Taylor, but I didn't. Jo Beth Taylor. So I um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go. Oh no, she's not from Brisbane. She's from Perth. Jo Beth Taylor. Jo Beth um, Taylor. What did she used to do? Uh, she was on Hey Hey after Jackie yes. McDonald, and then she was also in a children's kids band. And there's there's lots of great stuff about. Chris jo seems Beth. like he's got someone to say. No, I, I just wanted to say something about uh, a recent like of the week, John yes. Williamson. Yes. Uh, I just think your listeners should know there's a GoFundMe for a bronze statue. Of John Williamson. In his hometown uh, of Uh It's in Tamworth. 
Oh, no, no, I'm not sure if I'm down with that. Like, Tamworth's got a festival. Do we know the numbers at the moment? I don't. Uh, I can, I can because, see if I can find it. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I think um, that'll be. I think that's important. Oh, hang on, yeah, I do. It's a fifty thousand dollar goal. And where's he at? Uh, Five thousand seven hundred and seventy dollars. Yeah. I'm not feeling that. And is he? Is he? How many is days it, is, to it, go? is it John Williams? Is it John Williamson? Williamson to build his own bronze statue? Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's his support network. <laughs> okay. That, that are advocating for this. And would there be like some sort of speaker built into it that says, hey, True Blue, every time you walk past it? Something like that. That'd be cool. It'd be a QR code. QR code. Anyway. In bronze. <laughs> so, yeah, bronze QR code. That's very good. Thank you for that. That's great. But You're welcome. Well, if it was in Sorry, back to Joy Beth Taylor. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. We've gone past that. And Tony Perrin, who I was also considering. But, um, yeah, so if it was in Quambatook or Moree where he moved to afterwards, I'm not sure about Tamworth. I mean, he's a uh, an Aussie legend, country music legend. But, he is. But um, Tamworth. Uh, is there a Slim Dusty um, bronze statue? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I just speaking of bronze statues, like, have you guys seen the Bon Scott bronze statue in Fremantle? I have. Yeah. So, is I mean, was that because he was in? Was he born in Fremantle? No, oh, he's from. No, he's Scotland. from Perth. No, no, Scotland oh, he's via from, Perth. Oh, yeah. okay, Scotland via Perth. Okay, yeah. that's fair. Okay. Do we have any bronze, other bronze statues? There's Molly. Molly in Richmond. Melbourne. Yeah, yep. Molly. Is there any other kind of music industry bronze statues? Ooh, good question. Because, yeah, I mean, what I'd like to do, maybe we can launch a GoFundMe campaign, which is like a kitty for heaps of bronze statues. Ah, uh, right, okay. Like, how much does a bronze statue cost? Like, I don't know. What, 50, well, 50, 50 grand. Well, yeah. well, is it though? Like, is that like how much is well, going to John? Well, depends if you've got the QR album. code bit <laughs> in there. Can't be cheap. Know. Can't be. Well, what's bro- it's not like copper. Copper is way more expensive. Yeah. I, I guess bronze has got to be stand the. I'm thinking more about the labour in making it. Yeah, that is more yeah, so than yeah, the yeah. I was just thinking, just get a 3D printer, a bronze 3D printer, and just okay. like run it through, like put a mould together. A, there's a there's a there's a business case. Maybe oh, we could bronze go, statues. Maybe we could just <laughs> start start a side hustle of uh, music industry bronze statues. I don't mind it. 3D manufacturing. Sorry, I, I I derailed the conversation. No, no, no. That's as, the best as, part. As you should. As as. As, we, As you should. Welcome to the All Music is Good podcast. Yeah, yeah. All guests need to derail it at least once. Um, so I couldn't find her Instagram account, so I haven't done it yet, but what I'll do is I'll go on and make an unofficial Instagram account for this person after the pod tonight, and then we'll like that, okay? Okay. Okay. All right. So this person, and I haven't got much information. Our podcast, our rules. <laughs> this person was born on the 9th of May, 1956, in Melbourne to immigrant parents they attended school in Windsor and they went to Melbourne University where they graduated with honours in arts, specialising in, uh, specialising, that's not the word, majoring in French and philosophy. Okay, so 56, so they're a boomer? Yes. Yes, I think boomers finished in 68. Yep. Um, amongst this person's fans are none other than Dustin Hoffman and Kermit the Frog. Okay. Okay. At one stage in their career, they were the highest paid person on Australian television and were feared especially by both sides of the political divide. Okay. ABC journalist? No. Okay. Music sounding so good over this one tonight. Sounding great. Um, thank you, Chip. Um, this person's somewhat frosty relationship with the state of current affairs reporting 
in the commercial medium. Yarn event. Oh, Arik, you nailed Yarn it. Yarn event. Wow. Thank you. Awesome. Well done. It's your first right. one in a while. Uh, it is my first one in a while. I was going to say, while. she's perhaps best known as one of the team that included Ray Martin and Leslie. Yeah. And Arik's personal favourite, George Negus. Oh, you know, I did see something very yeah, sad about very George sad. Negus. Yes. Um, I actually met, I, um, we'll get to the Yarn event in a sec, but. I, I remember playing Woodford. Uh, which one? Oh, he gave the million George Negus Woodford story. We probably were there the same year. We probably were. Um, but George, basically, you know, there's a lot of rock stars backstage, and you know, a lot of famous people. But um, but then George Negus rolled into the green room, and I That's just like rock star lost it. Absolutely lost it. And did the, he have an open neck T-shirt? He looked shirt? great. He yeah. had that beautiful, you know, that you know, beautiful side part, mm. which isn't the comb over. Mm. And he, you know, he had a speaking spot at the, um, what was that stage yeah, called? Yeah, the, whatever. Not the Grand. It was like something else. One of the big tents. Mm. And he was a lovely guy. But I do remember this. I do remember when I shook his hand, he, he, he had his hand was, um, I think he might have been suffering from some kind of arthritis at the time. Right. He didn't give you a manly He didn't give, no, it was a bit of shake. a, not a great, great shake. Um, but unfortunately, he's not doing well. But you know, sending love to George Negus, what an what an absolute legend. But let's not. That get wasn't much of a story. What was your story, Chris? <laughs> uh, my, mine's <laughs> hope you can do perhaps better. better. Uh, we lined up for the showers together oh, at Woodford. <laughs> at Woodford. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, the, the performer shower, the one that had hot water. Oh, oh my god. Yeah. Um, what, yep. Who were you touring with at that point? Uh, oh, that was probably with Asa or yeah, maybe cool. James Green. Amazing. Uh, but yeah, we uh, we sat in line. We tow- both toweled? Or? Uh, no, well, no, I think he'd be a robe guy. I'd he, imagine. No, he was toweled. I think he had a towel, and we the the showers in front of us. There were two. They opened up at the same time, and technically we showered together. Wow! I mean, there was a wall between us. That's but, okay. You showered uh, together. That's yeah. fine. It was a metaphorical wall. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Yarn Events. Yarn event. be, the, George would be used to slumming it, I reckon. Well, yeah, his foreign correspondent days, he, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. True. Absolutely. Um, True. Uh, not much to say else about Yana. Um, her dad was a political journalist in, in the Czech, former Czech Republic. So she was a dissident Czech, newspaper. Was she a Czech background? She had a Czech, Czech background. Um, Yana, I guess that's pretty. Yeah, yeah, Czech. that makes sense. Um, Eastern, Eastern European. And he he worked for a dissident um, newspaper fighting against communists um, before they emigrated. Her, her career kind of, I, I mean, I don't remember like her sort of like, you know, trotting off into the sunset. It was more like she was on the telly and then she was off the telly. She w- she was not happy with the um, degradation of current, of, of current affairs shows. Was there like a change of ownership? Because uh, well, I remember she did ask the tough questions. She did ask the tough ca- questions. No and one, they didn't like her on either side because she was very uh, succinct and yep. to the point and blunt. But um, yep. uh, I think I think she finished in two thousand and six. They said she came back a couple of times to shows that were set up for her. But the um, inevitably, I think Packer um, got rid of her. Of course um, he did. And then she worked for the Bulletin as well, which was a PBL um, publication. What's so PBL pa- pa- Packer Broadcasting okay. Limited. Um, is it broadcasting? I think it is, and um, and so that was there was a conflict because once she was out of Channel Nine, she was out of all PBL um, media, and I think she's a fiction author now. Right. I'm fascinated to think that you thought she had an Instagram account. I, you would think though she would maybe a Twitter account. Yeah, I'm thinking Twitter. I reckon. Yeah. I reckon was. Well, like, I was surprised that Peter Russell Clark had an Instagram account. <laughs> you've so, got, you've like, set yourself a big task this week, so like you are going to create the yarn event. Oh well, Unofficial. yeah, fans of Yana Vance. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're going to check it's, that. 
next we? episode. Well, hopefully you. Oh, let's check it in two episodes, Eric. Okay. When you're not here. <laughs> well, or alternatively, we could get our resident, um, you know, digital, uh, di- digital genius. Ryan Munro to perhaps uh, oh, set one up for us. Set, yeah. yeah, set one up. Um, anyway, Yana Vent will be added unofficially. And it was Yana Vent, uh, but spelt W E N D T. Am I right? W E N D T. Correct. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Not not a whole bunch of info out there, um, but you know, she was the queen. She was yeah. She also had the top. same side part as George Negus. <laughs> <laughs> PBL hairdresser. PBL hairdresser. It wasn't yeah, at really. Woodford though. Not, but not at Woodford and no. didn't shower with you. No. Which no. would have also been a great story. Yeah. Um, um, uh, Woodford, one of the great festivals still, I think, if it comes back. Hopefully it does. It will. Yeah. Uh, hopefully. What a good oh, – yeah, I love great it. Great vibes. Anyway, anyway let's, let's um, move on. Let's, uh, let's get to tonight's album. We'll be back in one moment. All by itself tribes Okay, so the first album that we're looking at tonight is by the band The Wombats and the album's called Fix Yourself, Not The World. Formed in Liverpool in 2003 while the members were all attending the Liverpool Institute of Performing Arts. I wonder what the equivalent would that, that would be in Australia. Definitely something in, probably something in Brisbane. Yeah, probably. The, the, uh, the Wombats, I mean, you know, come on. Wombats... <laughs> The Wombats. This is not leading where I'm going. The Wombats feature vocalist, guitarist Matthew Murphy, drummer Dan Haggis, and Norwegian-born bassist Tord Overland Kudsen. Tord. Tord. T O R D. I think he spent. Well, um, I shouldn't be laughing. T O R D. Yeah, I think he spent. Uh, I think already spent COVID in Oslo. Um, I mean, like, is that from the Wikipedia? Like, do they have to say You know what I do, Wikipedia? I just want to credit allmusic.com. Okay, fair enough. Yes, uh, all Nothing to do with all, all music, music is good. Nothing to do with all music is good, but we are going to syndicate <laughs> yeah. then, um, once I leave the podcast and <laughs> start to earn some money. I mean, God knows you aren't bringing anything to the podcast. And now, in 2006, the band released their debut single, The Japan Only Girls, Boys and Marsupials. I wonder what they're... Antipodean uh, roots are. Maybe there's <laughs> something going on there. Several singles followed before the release of the group's 2007 debut album, A Guide to Love, Blossom Desperation, which reached number 11 on the UK album charts. A year later, they issued the Wombats EP on Bright Antenna. The Wombats sophomore long player, This Modern Glitch, appeared in 2011 and featured production from such modern rock stalwarts as Eric Valentine, Butch Walker and Jack Knife Lee. Included on the album was the top 40 single Tokyo. In 2015, the group returned with their third full-length LP, the synth Heavy Glitter Bug, which features production from Mark Croup and included the singles Greek Tragedy. Give me a try. Somewhat of a breakout, a breakout, the release was a commercial success in the UK and Australia and marked the band's first chart entry in the US. Uh, 2017, they released Turn. Uh... And was produced by Mark Crew, who worked with uh, Bastille, Rationale, and Catherine Marks, The Killers, and Wolf Alice, one of Bastille. our... Bastille. Do you remember that band? I don't that know. That was like a kind of mid-2000s band. 
don't remember them, but yes. I do I remember Wolf Alice from us reviewing them last yeah, year. Yeah. Um, Gail Simon, you say? Uh, Catherine Marks. Okay. Um, the album also included the single Lemon to a Knife Fight and Cheetah Tongue. They went off their uh, marsupial bend on that one. Uh, the set peaked at number three in the UK and hit the Billboard 200 in the US. Uh, the Wombat Session extended version, blah, 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 blah. We're going on um, in, uh, where are we? Uh, Lee Singer Murphy then took a break from the group to work on his solo project, Love, Fame, Tragedy, releasing Wherever I Go, I Want to Leave in 2020. Good names. I think they had the right good names for songs and albums. In May 2021, the Wombats returned with the song Method to Madness and the first track released off their fifth studio LP, Fix Yourself, Not the World. The album arrived just recently and featured production by longtime associate Jack Knife Lee, as well as Mike Crossy and Gabe Simon and others. Now, I actually read somewhere else that all these producers are really big time, I think. Like yep. they've had, um, I can't remember who it was. You maybe want to look it up for me, Eric, but um, there's some big credits in there, I think. Um, now, Oliver Nelson remixed Greek Tragedy, um, so like, which was a TikTok sensation. And introduce them to a new audience apparently at some stage over the last couple of years. So I wonder, uh, I was reading that they're the most popular they've ever been at the moment. And that's sort of, you know, I've always had that theory, you know, I guess, you know, you know, there's always the overnight sensations, but people who can just stay in the game sometimes, you know, win at some stage. TikTok's bringing people back left, right and centre. Sometimes you just got to hang around and just keep putting out albums and just keep, you know, just keep keeping your... You know, holding your bat for the whole innings, uh, innings Eric, if yes. you know, want to, um, you know. got to hold your bat. Um, okay, so, look, do you mind if I, can I start? Go. Because, like, so, I'll, I don't know if you guys are familiar. I, you obviously were, Eric. You brought it to the, the pod tonight. But I I hadn't heard of them. Mm. And um, I listened to the album before I read anything about them. And I was super surprised to listen and find out they were, they were from the UK. Really? And, you yeah. Didn't, you, didn't, you didn't fit, wait, as in, like, you were surprised when, like, after you listened to the record? Or, yeah, from or? a production point of view and and that the, this was their fifth album. Mm. Um, like, I mean, maybe the maybe the 2003 formation doesn't feel so wrong because, like, the first track especially feels like something from 2003. Like, yep. felt like a song that would be played, like, back to back with, back to back with like, like the Road Traders. Or yeah, something. iPod or on an iPod commercial. Yeah, possibly. You know? Yeah, had that sort of vibe. Um, but, like, you know, it sort of felt like an album to me that was like a first or second album from a young 20-something band. Had that sort of, God, I'm going to say, it had that really youthful Triple J feel to it mm. to the point that, like, like I was pretty convinced that this was a young Sydney band. Like, yeah, right. I, I, I'm sorry. I just did not mm. know who even they were. Even on the production? Yeah, all of it. All of it. And... Um, yeah, the the that reading about the back history just confused the shit out of me. Like, especially from a mixed perspective, and um, like if I think if we were to chat to like a former guest, Matt Voigt, about his thesis on what makes a Triple J indie hit, like this album would tick a whole lot of boxes. Totally. Um. So the first question is, do the Wombats get played on Triple J? Yes, they do. And I actually... Me too. I Google searched. I, well, no, I, the first time I heard this, like, just to, I mean, to just quickly mention that the song that you played coming in, This Car Drives All By Itself, I was, um, I don't know, I was driving my car 
um, all by yourself, but all by myself. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and and I, you know, I'm not going to pretend that I don't listen to Triple J. I'll chuck it on. I need to get a I need to get a feel for what's going on out there. And yep. I was listening to Triple J and as a hip up and coming producer. Yeah, you know, yeah. I got to know. I got to know <laughs> up and coming. Um, <laughs> Thanks, was sorry. <laughs> as a as an established incredible producer in the Melbourne, <laughs> no, music I'll market. I'll take that. Um, <laughs> Up and coming is probably what you want to be. No, no, absolutely. I'll probably yeah. get more work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, this car drives all by itself came on, and I was like, "This is a fucking ripping song." Yeah. And I and I just shazammed it straight away, and I was like, "We," ha- I was like, "Wow, this is from a new album. We have to review this album. I have. I really want to listen to it because, yeah, that song." Holy shit! All right, so like I did a I did a quick Google search and the article came up on Triple J News about the Wombats tour, and like it did have the vibe of a press release as opposed to like an article specifically written by them. But then I found a Triple J review of the album. This is not Triple J slag off. I'm just saying like I, like after like I did some more um, digging and I came across a Reddit article titled. Why are the wombats still played on Triple J? And uh, what is it? Are they old? Like, what do we know? Like, kind of their age? Are they like late thirties? Late thirties. Yeah, yeah. So the premise of the article was that they should have moved across to Double J now. Mm. Um, and but the counter arguments were that they never really broke in the market, so they're still kind of underground. So therefore, they're still so a they bit they, cool. they could also have that emerging tag. They could, yeah, absolutely, yeah, and um, up and coming, up and coming, <laughs> up and coming. That's right, young hip. Um, now, an argument, another argument was that it's less how long an artist has been around for, and more whether they still have appeal to the current Triple J demographic. Mm. Like kind of like Tame Impala have been around for years, but they still do well on the Jays. So, um, but then the counter argument to that was: would they be relevant if they weren't played? On Triple J in the first place, so I'm so confused. I lost you on that bit. Don't worry about it. Um, look, so it comes back to my original original point. If a band, if ever a band makes music that is meant for Triple J, this is the band because it feels like it just ticks. But is that all Triple the boxes? J, is that Triple J when you listen to no, Triple J? No, no, I felt this is was I, like '90s, early 2000s. It did, music. but like remember when we reviewed Cosmos Midnight last year? It, it's not sounding. Uh, a thousand miles away from that mix as well. So yeah, it's like okay. it's super dry and it's super. I don't know. It just it's got that sort of indie jangle. It seems to just tick a lot of boxes. I think. Um, so like you know, track one, the Rogue Traders track. Track two was the song we just played in the background. I really like that. Such a good song. Track three, um, I can't remember what it's called, but it had that sort of strokes. If, if you ever leave, I'm coming. That's with and you. that's the hit. I think. Is, that, is he singing falsetto in that one? That's oh, it's the one with the strokes bassline. Like uh, yep, sounds yep, like yep, a strokes. Yep. Song. Some of the basslines are epic. Yeah. Epic. Yeah. Yep. They're funky. Um yep. And I had totally I wrote great. down track eight. Um, works easy, life's hard. Had a bit of a Smiths vibe, which I liked. Um. Yeah, and as I said, they had some big people working from a production engineering point of view. And my personal opinion is that there was a really conscious decision made to go down a very dry EQ road, especially with the drums and guitar, like and much in the vein of like some of those early Strokes albums. Um, like, but not, not garagey though. No, not, not garagey, but like it still had that sort of hi-fi sort of sound, but it was very dry. Like, yeah, sure. And like personally i i thought this was a misstep because songs like cars drive by itself and if you're leaving i'm coming like they they they're stadium songs totally um and they're bangers and by um 
by drying them up, I just thought it really dried down the the levels of sort of epicness that the, a lot of these songs had, like potentially had. Um, like, you know, I, I thought I was thinking Mr. Brightside or something by the Killers. Like they all had that sort of epic, they're, they're, holy, they're, holy. They, like they could they, be in that world, right? They weren't – I didn't think yeah. – I thought they should have been aspiring to something – yeah. Are way bigger because the songs like had that. Confetti machines. Yeah, like just like just big big stadium shows. Lots of big reverbs on yeah, drums, okay. reverbs on guitars. Really sort of wide and um, really you know that epic epicness that you sort of associate with some of those bands. Um, and, and I think it would have expanded their audience you know, without harm without harming the current audience, and they could have done that quite easily. Um, I feel as though like just to that, I, I feel like. Because you, you you were sort of surprised you think they were from the UK, mm. but the like without getting super nerdy, like the mix is a it's a UK mix. It, it took it, me like Supergrass or something like that. Oh, it like, I mean, it's just like mid rangey. I don't know if it is, man. Like because if if I associate UK indie um, music, it, there's always heaps of reverbs, really? and there there was nothing to be seen okay. on this album. My, um, my first comment was yes. that I've written here is very British. Yeah, I, 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 I had a very similar feeling. So, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll just get that, into that. that early 2000s kind of UK. Yeah, you know, Hivesy. Or good. I guess I was Swedish. Well, so, Hives on, yeah, that's Swedish. Yeah. But, like, I mean, can you reference any kind of bands in that era that sort of. No, I, not, like not off the top, top of my head. head. I'm just thinking. Well, if you can't reference them, then, like, what are you talking about? I was thinking, like, the Arctic Monkeys sort of. Yeah, yeah, totally. That sort of sound. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I, I also had Arctic Monkeys on my notes. Look, mm. look. All I say is like I just think that um, I, I thought some of the squash dynamics um, made me think I was listening to a middle of the road Australian band, in, Australian band, <laughs> as opposed to you know with a couple of tweaks, it could have been a lot more. Mm. That, that 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 were my thoughts on it. Maybe yep. the maybe the name just confused you. You were like, oh, the wombats. Well, that's one maybe. of our national treasures. Maybe. <laughs> Actually, I will say one more thing. Like, and look, maybe I've got it wrong. Maybe this album is really great because the last track is a reprise. And I think it's pretty commonly accepted that only great albums have reprises as only. in the outro. Like we're talking Sgt. Peppers. Yep. And like Pink Floyd's The Wall. Nine Inch Nails. Nine Queens, Queens Made in Heaven. McCartney's Band on the Run. So like, you know, putting a, in a reprise is pretty ballsy. Um, but like, look, all jokes aside, I would see these guys at the festival and I think the they would go off. 100%. And it would be awesome and I'd have a really good time. Mm. Yeah. Chris. Uh, yeah, well, look, I actually saw them at Splendor. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what year it was, but I walked past them. I was I, I in knew, the showers. I know, <laughs> didn't have a shower with them. Surprisingly enough, no. In the showers. Uh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, kick <laughs> no, I was out in the area where the audience were. Um, look, it, and I I knew also knew very little about the wombats apart from probably what I whatever I took in when I walked past them that that night. But um, yeah, were they like big time at that point? No, I think it was probably about four or five years ago. Like, I think it was a ma- it was definitely a main stage. It was a good slot. Yep. Um, but you know, I walked past and went, "Oh, there's wombats." You know, I, I didn't know who they were. It didn't. Yeah, it didn't interest, it didn't interest yeah, yeah. me enough to stick around. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the album is it. It it sounds great. It you know, the 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 production had that early two thousands thing. I kind of was thinking like a. 
like some Cornelius style bass oh, yeah, lines, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. like that sort of bass production was really great. Very picky, picky, yeah, happy. yeah, really round. Like I think yeah. overall, like this really nice, full, round, yep. warm kind of thing. The the drums to me kind of it's that. Did it sound like a drum kit to you? It sounded sound replaced. Yeah, you know where completely. the snare it was. It sounded like B, uh, big BFD, like yeah, easily. And that's fine. I mean, it's a sound, right? It's a it's a thing a lot of people are going for, but it just feels to me like a drummer would walk out of that session going. What happened? What, what's what, what's my purpose? Well, okay, so a bit of, a bit of information, right? And bit, the fills were cool. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. A bit so, of information, though, guys. So, um, all three of the band members when this album was recorded were in different. Parts. I read that. Yeah. yeah. So one was in LA, one was in Oslo, yeah, and one was in London. Yeah. So and and you know thinking and what also that, I read that there was a whole bunch of different producers. Uh, the album as an album doesn't sound like it's produced by many producers. Like I think they've done that really I well. I agree. It sounds like one piece of wombat. Yeah, that's right. It's yep. one wombat. Yeah. Um, wombat. A cohesive wombat. A cohesive wombat because wombats can get pretty loose, you know, with their, th- with their thoughts. <laughs> They're cantankerous little buggers. And angry. Yeah, it's very, very angry. Yeah. Very moody. Um, I think the, se- the, the track order was all wrong. I, I, yeah. I didn't feel like uh, the first two tracks I kind of thought – the first track, I was like, this is not where I was expecting it to go. And it wasn't where it went. You know, I think some of the actual songs uh, kind of kicked in halfway through the record. And, you know, I, I, I feel like you'd, be, you'd have better luck listening on shuffle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, for, for a, for a well, better maybe, order. That's not unusual these days, though, I think. Like, I don't yeah. know who programs most albums these days, but they never they rarely get track list listings right these days i don't think there's enough thought that goes into no it. and but no people don't care about that anymore no and we don't i don't often listen to an album as an album exactly. either but I, you know i did for this purpose but um yeah i think that a lot of the songs you could kind of you knew where the songs were going the first time you listened to it and i think that takes a lot of skill to yes. to write something that's familiar but not plagiarized and i think they did that really well um and you know they can write a bridge, yeah. Like, yeah. Chorus and yeah, I mean, I, I mean, of course, the chorus is big hooks, big hooks. Um, but you know, I think that the the bridges were really where it kind of took off. Um, but like you're talking about like the chord changes in the in the bridges because oh. they would sort of go somewhere else. Yeah, you know I mean? really new be, like yeah, new areas. New moment. Um, but but also seamlessly coming back to the yeah. chorus, yeah, you know, or, or whatever. Um, I think. Yeah, I think uh, it's it's a, a, a kind of wholesome record, you know. Like, mm. I, I'm not certain about the lyrics. There are like so many metaphors thrown in there that it was yeah. just like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Right headlines. Out. Yeah, yeah, and you know, out of all of the records that we we listened to, I think this probably had the most. Uh, there's although there are lots of metaphors, some of it was just kind of like, where are these? What what are the, what are the purpose of these lyrics and um, Am I reading into this or are you just talking about a car? You know, like... Yeah, it felt a bit lazy. You know, yeah, a little bit lazy. But, yeah. you know, I'm... Well, as the, I mean, the like, Guardian said, mediocre. But, you know, I think the reason that... Because you've responded to the lyrics, was or you've responded to the lyrics, it's also because I haven't heard a, a like, uh, like, I guess a rock singer sing so eloquently. Mm. Like, he's pronunciation is just knockout oh you didn't so, need to look up one lyric yeah so you can literally you're you're literally you can really hear the lyrics um and and i guess that that then draws a critic to like shit on them a bit more you know what i mean like he's got sure. such amazing enunciation that like if he was like 
if he was like you know drawling, let's mm. say like mm. if he was like yeah, doing James a D, if it were DMAs kind of vibe, mm. Mm. yeah, yeah. Um, that's then, a good analogy then, actually. The DMAs, then, yeah. Mm. Then no one, yeah. I don't think people would shit on the lyrics, but it's his pronunciation, which again I think you spoke about the Smiths. Um, yeah, it's it definitely in that world of like okay, he's you know he, it's almost I agree. I felt I felt the lyrics were kind of like a bit meh, but I also was like I think they're meh because I can understand them and hear well you can them. understand everything bjork says and most of her that's lyrics, true that's also true that never feels that sort of meh yep no fair enough yeah Look, I, I think I mean, you're being uh a bit too defensive well you know you just because he's british and he can speak doesn't mean he can't I, not have I'm good not, lyrics i'm not suggesting that at all <laughs> but he can un- he enunciates no well. but you know like you still gotta like write good lines yeah fair enough no, okay. it's not. It's not fair enough. You can mount a defense. No, no. Well, no. I, 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 felt that like I was immediately sucked into the lyrics because I felt that he's pronounced like and like. No, I know your songwriting saying. was great. Um, what was you, that Radiohead line? It just felt so yeah, lazy, didn't it? There's it's like get out of bed, and listen to Radiohead, or whatever. Yeah, is this it was. a cool lyric? Is this supposed to be cool? I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, yeah. I, I think. Yeah, man, don't poke the bear. I was like, this that. That one. was that was the one that really got me. Those yeah, lyrics, me where too. I was like, okay, he just kind of That's listed lazy, like four lazy, metaphors in a row. Lazy. It's like he just picked up a book and went, yeah, they'll do. Yeah. Um, but look, I think overall, like, I think the track for me was um, "People Don't Change, People Time Does." Track yeah. six. Um, As in your fave? Yeah, yeah, that was my pick. Um, Another good name. Yeah, look, totally. Uh, and and uh, the other one, uh, I think it was track eight, Work is Easy, Life is Hard. Um, but look, good album. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I might add, I don't, I don't have to add too, more, too much more. I, I, um, look, I, love the, I did love, I loved the guitars. I thought like if you were in this band, it would be a fun band to be a part of. Like the yeah. lines were fun and mm. cool. The bass player was sick. The drums, you know, yeah, it was funky. kind of a bit proggy at times where there'd be like these cool sort of, oh, that's, you know, it was all, you know, like I guess were normal time signatures, but there was like these little breaks. There were some cool loops too, like that loop feel, like that, mm. you know, late 90s loop thing. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, my comparisons are Ash. Remember Ash? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that, it, it sort of struck, they gave, gave me a bit of that vibe, which I think also a three-piece maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, yep. I mean, I was surprised. I, I thought it was a much bigger band. Um like after you read the bio, I was like, "Oh, three pace, fuck, it's a small band," um, because it's it's a, such a massive sound, you know. Mm. I, was it a massive sound when you saw it live? Oh, uh, I don't remember. Hard to, hard I'm to remember. wondering if I had turned the volume up a lot louder when I was listening to it, whether I would have enjoyed. I listened this to album it. More. I, li- I listened to it in the car, and it was fun. Yeah, like, yeah. I listened to it in it the car. Fun. It was good fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just a couple of, just to bring you back to some of the th- things you said earlier was, so Jackknife Lee, who's one of the producers, is, um, like a big time Irish music producer who has worked with the Cars, U2, R.E.M. I guess R.E.M., could you see a, a, maybe an R.E.M. vibe here, maybe? Maybe not. Um, the Cars, U2, R.E.M., mm. The Killers, Robbie Williams, Snow Patrol, Block Party, yeah, well, there you go. Block one. party. There Block you go. That's a good one. Three piece. That's two, a good two, analogy. Two door cinema. Yeah. Um, one. The hives. Did we mention the hives? You, you did. Yeah. It oh. definitely has that sound. You know, great English band. <laughs> um, uh, Weezer. I saw one. them play at the front bar once. The hives. It was just insanity. Oh, was I saw. So yeah, good. they were fun. Uh, Weezer, One Direction, Silver Sun Pickups, Editors, which I think is a big American oh, band. Oh no, Editors. Mouse. I really like the Editors. And that was Taylor sort of Swift. like an, an Interpol sort of ripoff. So Jackknife is the real deal, and then you've got Gabe Simon, and he's 
very American. Um, Dua Lipa, there who's from the UK. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lana Del Rey, Maroon Five, yep. Rag and Bone, Callum Scott. He's UK, isn't he? Well, I mean, like, uh, I mean, you have all these American. producers. I guess who engineered it? Like who mixed it? I'd be curious because I think that's where the whole thing comes together. Yeah. Is the, in the mixing. Yeah. Anyways, we won't get too nerdy here. Why don't we go to our uh, unofficial podcast sponsor of the week? All right. Take it away. Please introduce all us right. to this week's unofficial sponsor of the week or unofficial running Thank scale. Thank you. Every week on the All Music is Good podcast, we like to do a special shout out and acknowledge some of the great people, businesses, concepts, thought bubbles that pop into my brain in the week um, and we bring them in as our unofficial podcast sponsor. They, uh, they don't know that they are sponsoring the podcast. Um, they're actually not necessarily contributing anything to the podcast but we do hope that one day they will. And I guess 35 episodes in, we're still yet to kind of Oh, you know what? We had ChiroCare. Yeah, and Highcore. And Highcore. They're the only ones that kind of responded. Yeah. I mean, they've obviously got a really good PR machine, you know, working for them. They they do. They do have good PR. They do have good PR. You know, music podcasts liking their account, you know. So, um, look, let's just cut to the chase. This week's All Music is Good unofficial podcast sponsor of the week is Mr. Bubble Car Wash in Station Street. Fairfield. Mr. Bubbles. No, Mr. Bubbles. Don't get mixed up oh, with Mr. Bubbles. Bubbles. It's not a franchise. It's, it's a not one. a franchise. Okay. It's not a franchise. Don't get it confused with Mr. Bubbles because there's a lots of problems with that term. It's one, <laughs> it's one bubble. One bubble. Now, are you serious? Okay. Am this I is serious? quite funny because <laughs> I took the roof pot off my car this week for the first time in five years because I'm just thinking, this is wrecked. Like... My car looks disgusting. Is that because you haven't had a canned car wash lately? And then I thought, because I can't take it into the car wash That's right, when I've got a roof pot on the top. And so then I took it off, put it down the side of the house, and then I went and got a car wash. A, a, a hand car wash? No, I didn't get it. Cause, well, this is my point. Because your car is of similar ilk age-wise yes. to mine. And I didn't feel like my car was new enough to deserve a hand car wash. So I okay. gave it a, through the BP service station car wash well so what the just, fuck are you doing giving yeah. your car a well hand I'll, t- car I'll wash? tell you what i'm doing so um so obviously i've got a heavily pregnant partner who's you know potentially gonna well not potentially she will birth our child in the next few weeks right and um and you know what like whilst we're probably going to take her car which is the corolla <laughs> um which is a better car i'm all, i've been sort of lobbying that we should take the fiesta why because it's zippy yeah but you don't need it to be zippy. You, you need, need to be space. Safe. You need yeah, to be yeah, safe. Yeah, yeah, but the thing is, we've already got <laughs> the true. we've already got the car seat installed in the Corolla. Yeah. So if she was to sit in the front seat, she was going to be like a little bit too close, and it means she'd have to sit in the back seat. And I don't think we want to do that. What do you think's going to happen, man? It's not that big a deal. Just Anyways, get in the freaking car. Look, put that on the, the record. Put that on the record, was it? And we'll review in a couple of weeks. Right. So basically, who won? <laughs> what car we took? Number one, who hospital. won the car? And no and, one's going to care. And, and number two, the breeziness of pregnancy and labour. Right. Um, so, anyways, it, it, it got. It, I got to the point where I was like, you know what? Like, if I'm going to have a case here, I'm going to have to go get a. You know, it's not just going to be a fucking BP servo. Yeah, 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 no, got the full car wash. We're going to do the full thing. Yeah, the detail. So I'm, I'm, Did you get detailed? I got the whole thing. How much did it cost? 
I'll tell you. Okay. So, um, <laughs> was so, it more than you thought, or less than you thought? <laughs> so it was a Sunday, <laughs> yeah. and I'm driving around Preston, which may I add is like the mecca of hand car wash yeah, yeah. sites. Yeah. Like, I don't know how I ended up at Mister Bubble Car Wash. Is there a car wash in Barrett Place? Like that would be cool. <laughs> I should mention it's right next door to Hotspot Kebabs. It's the same business. Awesome. Yes, good. Yeah. Good call, Waza. Very well done. I mean, just where I live, it's like car wash and Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a car wash and a kebab. Yeah. Anyways, so it's a Sunday. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm zipping around Preston in my Ford Fiesta and none of the hand car wash places are open. I've gone to literally three and I'm like, this is fucked. I need to stop looking on Google Maps and I'm just going to probably all out the nightcap on Saturday night. Probably. And I was like, I'm going to just use my instinct. And there it was, there it was, Mr. Bubble Car Wash at Station Street Preston. I roll in and there's just, a, you know, like a, a, just an old man sitting on a plastic chair outside with his kid playing like soccer, kicking a ball. That's nice. And it says $15 hand car wash. I'm like, you fucking beauty. In I go. You're I'm like, sucker, I'm like, so, uh, so I'm like, oh, yeah, I'd like to book the hand car wash. Oh, and that's goes, for the wheels. Right? And he goes, $100. Yeah. And I'm like, that's also fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so we went from 15 to 100 pretty quick. I'm like, that's a fair and legitimate price. Um, he says, come back. Uh, I'll, you know, it'll all be done in an hour. What number could he have said that you would have said no? I reckon north of 100, I'd be like, I'm sorry, mate. Okay. That's fine. I can get a service but he, for this he, much, But yeah. he looks and he goes, this car is filthy. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And he said, but listen, and he said, $100 cash. I'm like, okay. And, it, you okay. Know, and he said, but I promise you, when you get this car back, it's going to feel like a sports car. <laughs> And I'm like, he didn't need to say that. He'd already clinched the yeah, deal. I'll take my money. So, you know, so um, he goes, you will not even recognize this car. So I. I well, I, Chris didn't recognize it tonight when you turned that's it up. Right, that's, that's right. right. It's a that's different right. color. He said, you just for the silver. record, just for the record. <laughs> Just for the record, when I pulled in, Chris, who has seen me drive a car before, was like, did you get a new car? I've been in your car. And you've been in my car, right? <laughs> Anyways, so um, so I come back an hour later and him and his son have done a number on this car. Yeah. I walk in, it is absolutely like glistening and it smells oh. of petrol. Oh, and I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, what, what did you guys, oils? Oils. We've oiled everything. Oh, as in like sort of like a like a Turkish bath or something. Like, like a like, Turkish bath, right. exactly. So, you so everything yeah. was oiled and just like radiating, radiant. Wow. And um, and you know the steering was oiled. Everything was just it was just beautifully oiled. And he looked really proud. And I paid him the hundred bucks, and off I went. And you know, since then, we may have a, a second option to get to the uh, the oh, partner right. to the um. There's no kicker. The there's no kicker in the tail. No, there's no kicker. Oh, it's right. just no. But uh, but I guess there is no kicker. But I think the tail is good enough. I mean, I went from willing to part with fifteen dollars for a hand car wash to a hundred in the space of about a split second. Yeah, yeah. So well, we all, that's actually pretty cheap to be honest. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. I think you should install the car seat in the Fiesta. Just oh. just do it overnight. Okay, and Matt, and just do, and just go with the Corolla. Just, just do it. So no, do you no, reckon? Fiesta. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All well, right. You need one I, in I've each, got a vote. Really? A one in each. Yeah. That's also true. Yeah. Okay. So car seat in the Fiesta, and then which car do I take to, to the hospital? 
I'd take the newer one. The Corolla. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Thanks, Was. I always ask Was the big questions. Yeah. And I always <laughs> take question. his advice. Yeah. Y- you want to go in the nice car. The nice car. All right. Well, Not the old car that's got oils all over it. So I guess we need to take it to the rating scale. And I mean, like, I guess the only kind of thing that I can kind of glean from that story is like the speed to go from $15 to $100 might well be the rating scale. I and don't know. I could think about what type of oils I wanted to use. Would I like oh, yeah. to use like a sex oil or would Ooh, like yeah. a, like a like just a normal like petrochemical? Oil? I don't know. Or, yeah, yeah. Coconut oil. Coconut oil. That's a nice oil. That is. Or Aesop oil. Oil of Ooh, oil of Ulan. Oil of Ulan. That was a great soap. It was a great soap. No, All no, right, whatever, so we've got, we've got the type of oils. Any other potential options, Chris? No. From the um, <coughs> types of oils? No, no, not no, no, the types no. of oils, but Anything we're just kind of like landing rating, on a rating, rating scale with a hand car wash. Maybe it could be how much more you would pay. Perfect. There it is. There it is. Thank. So, how much more would you pay above the starting price of yeah. the hand car yeah, wash? I think so. If it's a hand car wash, I'd pay with it full detail. I would pay two hundred and fifty dollars. Okay, yeah, but that's because, you know, you're a guy with a job, right? <laughs> I don't know. I think that's just what it costs, isn't it, for like a detail? Well, it also depends on how filthy the car was. That's right. That's right. Well, I think Harry got a good deal, like $100. Yeah, but cash? Yeah, really right. good deal. I reckon we go with a, with Chris's, um, how much above the price would you pay from the advertised price for a hand car wash? So All between right. 15 and 100 well, or, no, 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 basically, you, no, 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 I think that's being a bit too specific. Oh, okay, sorry. So basically you... St- the <laughs> it's the rating system. So your music is good rating system. That's right. So it's basically you your advertised make. your advertised okay. price is yeah. $15. Yep. And how much... And then you just name a figure and that's the and That's your rating. Yeah, that's okay. your exactly. rating. Got it. <laughs> and afterwards, if you could just tell me like out of 10, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be good too. <laughs> that's right. right. Because was is fucking gone and... Change the game over here because it could have been fifteen to hundred, but then was has gone and fucked it and gone two hundred and fifty bucks for a car, hand car wash. Yeah. We can't have a rating scale of fifteen to two hundred and fifty. Yeah, yeah, we're just going to pick a number. I agree. I'm down with that. <laughs> uh, just a random number. Um, okay, I'm going to go. Um, I'm I'm not going to come back to this album, but I actually I've talked it down a little bit, but not because I didn't like it, because I just thought it could have been a lot more than it was. Mm. Um, so, you know, if it was $15 originally, like it's way more than that. I would have paid a lot more to listen to this album. I'm going to get, I'm just going to go where you were. I reckon I'm going to say 100 bucks. 100 bucks. 100 bucks cash in hand. All right. Yeah. Which is sort of like equivalent to like a seven out of 10. Yeah. I would also agree because that, that's, I think, where my car ended, except it smelled like petrol. Yeah. Yeah. They, <laughs> I wonder what sort of oil Does they it still use. Still smell like petrol. It, no, not anymore. Okay, not good. Anymore. Open okay. the windows up. And Open the windows up straight away. <laughs> sort of like when you have a haircut and you just. And it was a real shame because you know, like there I was, like proud, to, you know, proud to present my new, my newly cleaned vehicle to my partner, and she's like, "It still it nearly, smells like a nearly, nearly, nearly put her in labour." <laughs> I, right. I can't sit in this car. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. What about what about you, Chris? Uh, I would for this record. I would pay. I'd pay $90. Okay. Yeah. $90 uh, from a starting point of $15. Yeah. Yeah, I'd go over. And what's 90. what's your yeah. what, what so what why what what kept you off say going all the way up to like cuz you've obviously walked away then from Mr. Bubbles car wash and goes actually no. 
No, that's a bit too expensive. Hundred dollars, man. Ninety dollars. You bartered. I yes. bartered. Yeah. I, I could have still. Bought, I could have yeah, still got the car. Maybe a fewer oils. Maybe that. Maybe yeah. he. Okay, come so back. you would have done the job, but you would have been just don't. You, yeah. don't, you don't have to buff yeah. it. Yeah, and uh, and the kid wouldn't have kicked the soccer ball into it as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah no yeah. dings. No dings. Um, yeah, look, it, 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 the record was good. Uh, it just didn't. It didn't. I didn't. I didn't love it. Yeah. And, and and one thing I didn't say earlier, probably could have cut a few choruses and verses. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. Just I'm like, gonna I'm gonna regress and I'm gonna go with. You're gonna uh, go to ninety. I'm gonna go with Chris. I'm gonna go to ninety as well, which is brings it down to a six and a half for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think, you know, I didn't expect, you know, this is, it's not like I don't go, oh, the Wombats, I'm going to go listen to this. I, I heard the first song. I'm like, that's an absolute ripping song. Then I listened to the first bunch of tracks and I'm like, these are all really, really good tracks. I would definitely, if you said it cost, you know, if I thought I was going to pay 15 and you end up saying it's going to cost 100, I'd be like, that's fair, that's fair and legit. But then when I actually did my numbers, I was like, there's four so- songs that I liked on this album. And the rest were completely non, not memorable. Mm. And I think they're also in the middle of the re- in the record. It just at, the, at at some point in the middle, it just sounded like a band that had an EP trying to make an album. Mm. And and mm. to me, that doesn't that doesn't score that highly. So I'll probably land. But I, but then again, some of the songs are so great that like. I reckon I will well, be showing a lot of the songs to people. All right, we listened to an Adele album last weekend and a Weekend album where we both both thought, yeah, all the first four tracks, yeah, and that, were was, amazing. that was enough to give it a ten. And though. we gave it really high scores. Yeah, so like you know, I'm, but I don't think these scaled those heights. No. So I reckon if I was to go and expect to pay fifteen bucks, and my mate um, at the Mister Bubble Car Wash was like, "It's a hundred bucks," I'd be like, "I'll go elsewhere." I'm willing to pay 75 bucks for a hand car wash. So that's where I'm landing. Um, probably like a six. Yeah. Cool. Okay. I love that a 90 is 6.5 and a 70 <laughs> is a six. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got our scale. <laughs> we'll get the calculators and the fractions out in a second and we'll come back with our second album. Our second album for the week is titled Oh What the Future Holds and it's by American band Fit for an Autopsy. Fit for an Autopsy is an American deathcore band from Jersey City, New Jersey, formed in 2008. The band consists of guitarists Will Putney, Pat Sheridan and Tim Howley, drummer Lucien Orta, lead vocalist Joe Badalota, Horsian, not, not a Norwegian no, it's, name, is it? No, it doesn't sound like no. it. And bassist... Peter Blue Spinozola. Fitfin Autopsy are currently signed to Nuclear Blast Records and have released five studio albums since formation. Nu- Nuclear Blast, is that like one of the big? Big. Big, okay. Okay. The band released their first demo in 2008, followed a year later by the group's first EP, Hell on Earth. In 2011, Fitfin Autopsy released their first full-length LP, The Process of Human Extermination. In September 2013, the band released their second album, Hellbound, 
Less than a year later, in April 2014, the band announced that vocalist Nate Johnson would be leaving the band. Greg Wilburn of The Devastated was immediately named as Johnson's temporary replacement. I reckon he was waiting in the wings just to take over. Like, you know, yeah. When you say immediate, it sort of says things like Ooh, you know, they, they were true. trying to like edge him out and get him in. It wasn't like they went through a long audition process to try and find the next, you know, guitarist. That's true. That's true. They immediately named. Yeah. <laughs> Why would they it use the like word a, immediately? It sounds like a spill. Yeah. <laughs> a um, spill of the band. A spill of the band. <laughs> Call to executive meetings. Yeah, that's your right. Daughter. That's right. Um, in early 2015, the band announced the departure of Greg Wilburn and the addition of their new vocalist, Joe Badalato. But not the immediate addition. Yeah, no. that didn't happen as quick. Um, along with this, they announced that they were in the writing process for a new album. This third album named Absolute Hope, Absolute Hell, was, was released on October 2nd, 2015. Um, a whole bunch of stuff happens, We don't, which is not of too much note in relation to the new record that we're about to talk about. Um, on the 6th of April, 2020, the band released a standalone single, Fear Tomorrow, through Nuclear Blast Records. On September 22nd, 2021, the band announced their new album, Oh What the Future Holds. Two days later, they released the first single, Far From Heaven. The song was later elected by Loudwire as the 35th best metal song of 2021, which I think goes to the... the 35th, yes. Well, it goes to the essence of just how particular metal kind of fans are that this is yes. even noteworthy yeah, yeah. Um, to be in a Wikipedia entry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But clearly it is because there's actually a source to it. Um, which I will go to. Oh, to the top. What is it? Top five hundred songs? I'm, or yeah, I'm just. I'm just it's, having this. It's the top thirty-five. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, and and should I note, just you know, in um, Chris O'Neill prophetic, uh, in in prophetic form, this is our thirty-fifth. Yeah, yeah. Almost his good podcast. And if you're noticing, we've just we've just hit the drop of the song in the background, which is you know, now um, is that right? We just hit the drop now um. I just want to, like, you know, as the resident, you know, I do pride myself in picking the songs, you know, you that, that sit job. in the background. But, like, I'll be honest, no, I was, I just was all at sea working out what song to put. And I was looking at metrics and, like, no, I'm not going to go with metrics. I'm just going to, what works I, with this yeah. program? So I'm not really sure if I've nailed it with this one. So I'd like some feedback. Well, maybe let's let's start by going: is this a, is this a good example of deathcore? And what on earth is deathcore? Uh <clears throat> yeah. Look, it is. I mean, it's a it's a single. What, uh, was that the single? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Done it again. Um, <laughs> it, 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 and and it was you know, where we'll see. Look, look, deathcore um, is uh, a, a, a genre of metal that is you know has big huge genty breakdowns um what do you mean by genty genty gent d-j-e-n-t it's a kind of other style of metal um which has like gen gen riffs okay where did that originate or is that just from the pretty sure it's from that okay yeah 
Um, don't want to get into you know too too fun. Don't want to go too deep because you know there may be <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, the you, top thirty five metal podcasts. That's right. Looking, I mean, out you're actually deeper. taking a big risk here, Chris. Because <laughs> if you say anything that's just remotely undercooked, <laughs> I know you, you, you I'm in trouble. Outed in the yeah. metal I kind of feel like this could be our highest ever concerning. rating podcast tonight. That's like, true. We've got to metal, figure out very how to get Think about the tags. Was think about the tags. Think about the tags. Gent. Gent, 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 Tag everything and then open up the comments. But look, Deathcore often has the big breakdown and, uh, you know, tight, solid production. I think they're eight-string guitars tuned down to G or something. Um, Wow. Or D, something really low. C. Um, The the vocals are rarely sung. Uh, There's not often big guitar solos. So that's kind of Deathcore. And is it sort of like fast or is it slower, half-time, full-time? Well, it's... It's it's a lot of double time into half time. Double time know? into half time. So it so it is, it goes to a a, a half time drop. Yeah, um, okay. but they're big riffs, big yep. like rhythmic. Like it's yep. all about yeah. rhythm. Okay. Um, and and the vocals and the vocals are often a rhythmic instrument as well. You know, like because you're not relying on pitch, the vocals need to be delivered, and you you need to keep it interesting by the way that the rhythm that they're, they're kind of performing. Well, okay. I contend that the whole album is about rhythm, really. Like it is. Everything that's happening is rhythmically related or related to each other. Every instrument is in sync with something else mm. in a rhythmical mm. way. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's the, the kind of beauty of metal. It's 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 mainly, <laughs> mainly rhythmic because, you know, it's it's not a whole lot of notes. And, you know, when you see, when you see a band like this live, um, it's difficult to ascertain a lot of the riffs because it's it's so heavily distorted and it's hard to mix. You know, if you go to a well mixed live show, yeah, it's a treat. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Is it it is would it... be so difficult to listen to this live because you, you, especially when you're talking about the kick being so prominent. Well, mm. yeah. That, Do they and, achieve and, that in the front of house mix well, for metal but bands? But you listen to this album and I'll, I think I've got some notes in here, but um, you watch how interlocked the kick and the bass are mm. in such a sort of compressed, gated way that the ability for that to be done in a live environment would be next to impossible. Well, they, they often don't play with amps on stage. Yeah, yeah, They're right. just DI or, you know, they've got a whole bunch of kind of, you know, whatever they're using that goes straight through the PA yep. and then they're relying on the PA, which, you know, I saw Thyata's murder at Volta in Ballarat the other day and <laughs> the poor PA. Um, I think they played out in Dandenong or something and the PA shat itself. Yeah. Like it, it was actually it's impossible to hear what was going on. Um, but, yeah, look, um, it it is hard and the, the, the drums are often triggered. Um, That's yeah, what I was going to ask. So, I mean, it's usually I mean, the, the, the drum will play the parts live so that's happening, mm. but it's usually their sample triggers, right? Usually always. Okay. Well, the kick nearly always, um, but not everything else. Um, well, it has to be because it's so specific, the sound, isn't it? That's right. And it's got to cut through everything else. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when you are blast beating at 210 BPM or whatever it is, then you've got to, <laughs> you know, you, 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 can't, you can't do that competing with the rest and, and still cut through. how many pieces on the drum kit typically? Uh, well, ordinarily it's kind of a, you know, six, seven piece, a whole bunch of toms really. And, um, and what kind of a drummer would 
show up to a metal gig with a four-piece drum set. Well, in fact, Fit for an Autopsy might consider that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was just watching some videos of him the other day and he's, he's just playing a four-piece, just one rack, one floor. Live? Um, live clips? Yeah. Okay. And it's, you know, and, and a few bands have done that. In the, like Dillinger Escape Plan, he plays at the four-piece. Um, Skin Lab, you know, the, all these sort of old metal bands that you listen to the records for years and you think there's – it, this has to be a six piece or a seven piece, or like you know. Multiple symbols. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the symbols are, are often like the, the the color palette over okay. the top of Agreed, what they're doing. Yeah. Okay, so they're not they're not part of the four. No, no, okay. no. This is just drums. Well, if you listen to this album, you'd know that, Eric. Absolutely. Yeah. I did listen to this album. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, it's it's not. Yeah. This record, he's kind of more relying on on the kind of ride and the bell. But you know, there's other heaps of metal bands that have all these little splashes and stacks around. Yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of color it. Because you, I, I think you mentioned earlier that you, you're a rusted on four piece drum kit guy. Yeah, I did play a bigot set, but I just didn't want to carry it anymore. Okay, so all right. So it's not a that was the thing. main it's, reason. It's more about transport. And I kind of realised that I could do it without. Okay. Fifteen toms. When you're talking about four piece, are you saying like kick snare hi hat and four tom? Oh no, kick snare. No, kick snare rack and floor. Yeah, rack and floor. Because I, I mean, I always think, and we we spoke about Lars Ulrich, who was one of our Instagram likes of the week, and the amount of toms he has. Now, not to make a comparison between this band and Metallica, but more to the point of the amount of drums one has in their set. He he certainly has a lot of a lot more drums. He's from the old school though. Okay. He's all show. Okay. He's playing stadiums. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, so it's all, it's all, all drums out there. You yeah. Know. Do you reckon there is a correlation between the size of the venue and the amount of toms that one puts <laughs> on their drum kit in this genre? Uh, no. No, I don't reckon. This, that's no. a yarn event style question. That one. <laughs> this is serious. <laughs> that was hard. Question that was in. that was a puff question. <laughs> 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 this. This is like serious music, and you know, yeah, I'm, like this I'm, is yeah, that's no bull, that's a bullshit question because uh, yeah, like you're right. anyone who would play this has you're to totally be right. That was musician. a that was a like that was a seven pm project question. <laughs> yes, totally that was right. a Peter Hellier moment. <laughs> totally. It's Mike Moore of Frontline. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, okay, sorry, mm. um, we digress. <laughs> so um, I just did a Mike Moore reference. Someone got it. We go. Mm, so, question to sorry. you, Chris. I guess you know we've seen obviously that. Um, some of the, you know, these metal bands go through members pretty quickly um, or not pretty quickly, but there's, there's a, I guess, a lot of changing up, I guess, in this group. There's, I think we've had, you know, as we go through their bio, there's about three guys that have departed and two that stay in the core. Is, um, is that like a normal thing in that scene or? Yeah, look, it, it is. And I think there's often one or two that kind of stay through the band and, and you know, fire people and come back and. Um, and get others in and and often one guitarist might leave one band and go to another band because they've toured with them and they like their style or whatever it is um, members leave they get replaced and then suddenly you know they end up being you know they're, they're fill-in players and they end up in the band um, but you know it, it's pretty common I think I think you see it a lot with drummers as well like you know there's drummers that have gone in four bands and they're kind of it, it feels strange because you can hear well. I can, fans can hear their playing come through mm. all of those different bands. Yeah, um, because because drums are such an integral part to metal and their interpretation of the riff and quite often the way that they um, highlight the riff yep. through their playing. So yeah, look, it is pretty common. Um, but all you need to do is go through and 
have a look at the graphic representation on a Wikipedia page to understand yeah. it. Yeah. Well, as you so, said, you, you did some deep diving on the infographics. Oh, no, I just thought it was funny. That was the infographics of the timeline. I'd never seen it before. So it was um, it was interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to... Uh, to know what that is these days, I guess I, you, you were saying it's um it's something that's out there. I just hadn't seen it. Mm. So it's cool. So no, I'm gonna say, tell us what you thought of the album. Yeah, like go, you know. yeah. Uh, what I think of the album? Look, I thought it was. I think I think it's a great album. Um, it's probably not my favorite record at the moment. Um, but you know, were you keen to look at it when it came out? Yeah, I was. Yep. You know, like that single came out. I thought, yeah, this is on. Um, but I think uh, it's kind of the evolution of this style of music. I think they've done a really good job at kind of bringing it to a new stage um, instead of it all being all in your face, ready up front. Um, they've brought in some old school things. They've brought in guitar solos they've like with harmonized runs, which is, you know, fairly uncommon for yeah. this genre. Yep. Um, they've kind of created a lot of space as well. Um, instead of it just being an assault, they've, they've, and I think I totally agree with that. As opposed to the the Wombats record, I think the track listing on this is excellent. Like they've they've kind of got this whole tension and release thing happening where it's pretty intense, and then suddenly there's a bit of moment where it kind of chills. But my criticism on this, plus a lot of metal in general, is when they go to those big, beautiful, ethereal, spacey moments, mm. they don't adjust the drum production, and it's just like. The snare drum sounds like a sledgehammer the whole yeah. time, and the the ride's pinging <laughs> off its head. And I've got a question That's about those so ethereal funny. moments. So right. There's something like when I listened to this record, I immediately thought of like, um, uh, what are they called? Land games? Like, Anthrax? No, no, just you know the networked gaming. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. I it just like my head, my brain went to like networked gaming, um, world, and. And there's something that, like, if I was to say, here's something that has not evolved, it's the slow ethereal bits in metal in general. Yeah. Like, yeah. what it's, is yeah. that? It's pretty standard. It's just it's often, like, it's, it's the often same. a tinkling piano. There might be some kind of orchestrated stuff in the background. And I don't understand. But you've like, got to have it in there. That's part of the thing. It's yeah. a thing. It's often an intro to records. and Yeah. Um, yeah, it really is a thing. And they often bring some marching drums in and, you know, the band walks on stage. It's, it's it's pretty generic, I've it, got to say. It, there you go. That's it's the word. <laughs> but but do you know, like, if yeah. you think about bands like Opeth, um, Swedish kind of prog band, but went right deep into metal, but then turned into like a seventies prog band, basically. But they did a great job at adjusting their drum production to those moments where you'd have like this really nice, like a you know a a seventies Ludwig Such over, a good and then it would go back to their full sonar intense drum, but. Right. Like in their records, in their records, um, and but this stuff where you kind of it it chills and then suddenly you've got this pinging ride just beating your ears off. It's yeah. kind of I don't understand it. It, it happens. Position it happens all, in it? so many metal records, yeah. but you know that's a criticism. I think uh, in Fit for an Autopsy, are not known for to be great lyricists. I think the lyrics are all you know apocalyptic kind of. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's all pretty standard stuff, and uh, and also. The rhythmically, I don't think the vocalist kind of nailed it either. I think his vocals are a lot of long, kind of sustained screams as opposed to punchy, rhythmic use of the vocals like we we're talking about before. Yep, 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 um, yep. But he's very good at pitching his screams uh, to the to the song, yeah, yeah, which not many people are great at. So, 
Um, look, there's some really great risks. The performances of all the instrumentalists are fucking amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like, and and to, to know that they nail that live um, is. Well, that's part of it, isn't it? Yeah, it, I didn't know they they nailed like this was a live recording to a no, but you will what if you went to see them they're that good that, that would, would be nail this. on yeah, yeah. Um, and that would be expected, wouldn't it? Expected, yeah, yeah. You can't you don't mess that up and and you know that's a sort of record where you've got to go. We have to do this as a set, you know. We have to play fifty minutes of this, yeah, yeah. yeah and it's that's interesting that you know you, you talk that's about why you that. have the down tempo bits, yeah. <laughs> like I mean, like <laughs> of, of all of the genres, you know, and I think. We haven't, I don't know if we've spoken about this on the podcast that much, but we've spoken about it definitely on the phone a lot. And I guess reflecting on you, you had your big show on the weekend, which was like an 11 piece of everyone playing actual instruments and, and there being like an expectation to be excellent mm. as a group and mm. also as an individual. Um, and then you've got your metal thing, which has that same sort of expectation. But pop, I guess at least in this country, it, it, that – that kind of band playing mm. not really yeah, a, a thing anymore, you know. Um, well, it can be one person to a backing track. Yeah, yeah. which is com- which is now completely acceptable. Yeah, well, it's not acceptable; it's expected. It's yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, but I would I, I would imagine what you've got that, a band. Like, no, 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 we can't like, do that. I don't know. Yeah. The <laughs> age, I don't know the age of these guys, but I'm assuming any metal band coming up has that expectation. Yeah, it's to a be tradition. Good well, out yeah. there, but at, they they also play to a backing. So quite often yep. they've got a, they've got a, an SPD on the side yeah, yeah. that With the drummer synth parts that going? they're playing to clicks yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're playing to clicks, yeah. which is insane. Insane. So yeah, they've usually well if they're not if they're not running amps, they've all got in ears and um, they're playing this to a click, which is I, it just gives me a stress rash thinking about having to play these tracks like you know at two hundred BPM and your double kicks are at sixteenth. It's just insane. Yeah, uh, but they do it, and and then you know the the well, backing that's, again. That's tr- the tradition, I think. That's right. Yeah. Don't you think? Well, you know, like if you think about bands, you know, metal bands that even like fifteen years ago, like Lamb of God and Slipknot and all those sorts of bands, like they weren't playing to clicks. No, and, that's and, true. And yes. you could hear it. It actually sounded sloppy. Fucking terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah, yeah. especially Slipknot. Like yeah. they they couldn't hold time in a bucket. And, you know, their new drummer can now and, you know, all of that. But um you'd watch them live and go, uh, it, it it was it was vibe because there was nine dudes in, you know, masks yeah, jumping around like idiots. Down, but yeah. um yeah, this is where it's kind of like we're doing this and we can do it well and it's it's really impressive. It really is, um, and I think yeah, the the performances are great. Um, the guitarist is the producer, um, and he's known to produce heaps of massive deathcore bands all across the world. Um, so I think there's a lot of responsibility on him to try and make that sound good. I mean, I think the production is good. I think it's it's big and it's full. It's big. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that it's lacking in what we were just talking about earlier, but I think, you know, their separation, I don't know about you was as a bassist, I don't know if you can hear the bass in it, but, you know, there are moments where you can really separate the guitar from the bass. Mm. I, I just noticed that the kick and the bass were super locked. Like it was all about the relationship, which it always is generally, but more very specifically mm. it filled a frequency palette, the bass, that sort of, is normally where the kick frequency would be, which was interesting. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but I think as a as a metal record production wise, it's really full and not as heavily compressed as metal often is, where it's just kind of squashed. Yeah, but yeah, this yeah. This kind of it's quite open, considering. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, look, you know, it's this is 
we we've done some. I guess even though I you know this might blow up the Twitter sphere if I was to make any kind of comparison. I mean, the only other thing we've done in this close to this genre would be Meshuga, but that's not the same genre. What was the one we did with Mick? That's Meshuga. Okay. Um. So I guess you know not very familiar with this kind of music, but wanted to kind of approach it with like open ears. Um. I I guess the first thing that I noticed with you know track one. Oh what oh what the oh what the future holds was the, the the first track and it started with that you know as I said that kind of um, role play video game um, intro um, of just that you know ethereal synth or piano or whatever or ominous and then it dropped and and what I was expecting it to go into you know kind of that's what I expected but it went into this halftime heavy thing and I'm like this is fucking cool like it like it grooves really really hard. Um, I, that was a that was a one I, I did like, and then I guess the next few songs did kind of go more to that really fast tempo BPM stuff, and I kind of felt like I resonated more with those with those I guess you know purist you know as a deathcore purist myself, <laughs> um, I you know um, resonated more with that sort of halftimey sort of rhythmic mm. genty stuff that you're talking about. Um, In shadows to me was a good song. I enjoyed that, and I enjoyed a higher level of hate. Yeah, that was my standout track. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, just from, I mean, from my experience, the only other kind of experience, I, I once recorded a deathcore band um, and it, and I also had a fever um, of about 40 degrees. Um, so I was very unwell and, and, I, had, and I, I was kind of sitting there kind of very, very sick and almost hallucinating um, as a deathcore band went about their business and just to see their like complete organised, just so organised in the yeah. studio um, – with such a kind of collaborative, they did have a drummer, but everyone was on the drum programming, and it was this hugely collaborative space and environment, huge, like massively supportive. It wasn't like the guitarist does their thing and then they're out. Like it was a real unit. Mm. And I, I do, and also having kind of, I guess worked in bars for metal when there are metal nights or, you know, grindcore, deathcore, whatever core nights. Um, there's just this kind of like teamness that I feel exists in this music that I don't know if it exists in others. No, it's a thing. Metal, the metal community is a really positive and yeah. supportive community and it always has been, you know, like bars can't stand hip-hop nights sometimes because they, their toilets get trashed but yeah. metal metals, metal guys are the ones saying nice please and thank you. Yeah, you know? please, please and thank you. Go, but like, go hard, you know, on the floor but then – but the, yeah, there's just. But there's the just pit etiquette, you know, like when if you're on the ground in the middle of a pit, you are helped up in a second, and no, people no, no, are no, people, no matter how vicious the music no, is, and people are smiling in the middle of the pit, you know, yeah. like it's not a, it's it's a really, like it's it's completely against what a lot of people yeah, would think. There's a real code. Well. There's a real code to it. Um, yeah, other things I kind of also noticed just recording someone that sings very similar to this was actually the how low the volume is on the mm. screen mm. so it's ac- you actually have to gain up the microphone yeah, like it's yeah. not a scream it's actually a far further back sound that's what i've experienced at least yeah you can get very loud screamers sure okay good, a good vocalist will not be quiet okay um and then you've got to get but and then i guess then maybe i'm my example wasn't that great because we um yeah we had to really take some rests you know doing sure. a, a bunch of takes in a row at that sort of kind of level mm, mm. 
it, yeah, it can really cook someone's voice. But apparently, there's you know real good training, good techniques for it. Yeah, I mean, some there's some bands where you know the the first song of the set and the final song of the set there is no difference in the vocals. It's unbelievable. Amazing. And and Die Art is Murder, Australian band, are an, a classic example of that. CJ, the vocalist from Die Art is Murder, is so well respected as a vocalist. He teaches metal vocals. Wow, he does workshops. That's amazing. Yeah. Was what did you reckon? Well, I recall much like a good pitchfork review where like which I think you've just done, you know, when it like says nothing about the actual album, but like <laughs> you just find a way to talk about like everything except I, and I then you give it about a the tempos no, and no. I talk <laughs> Was is in a fighting mood. Somewhere. No, I'm not. I like I'm gonna be exactly the same, but like yes, funnily enough for the you said I, I saw on the um Instagram post it's like you might want to listen to this in two parts and i'm like i don't know what that means but i'll just start listening to it and i was listening to it in the car up to ballarat the other day and were you, the, were you on your own i was on my own yep and i was um the first minute 30 and i was thinking oh it's a neoclassical album Arik really would like this <laughs> and i'm thinking but like i'm thinking boring and then <laughs> then it hits 131 and then like i'm like face to face like with my worst nightmare <laughs> it's like <laughs> death core Death metal, I, you know, I don't know. Like, I'll be honest, like, when we started this podcast, like, my intention was never in a thousand years to ever review, let alone listen to, like, an album like this. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I've told this story before, Eric, on the pod, and so I'll just skim over it quickly. But, like, the last sort of heavy-ish album I listened to was, like, in 1992 when I was trying to impress my, a friend who'd just come to my small country town from the city. And his favorite band was Sepultura. Mm -hmm. And I pretended that I really loved them. Um, but secretly, like, I hated them. And I hate, and like, he was, um, the more we listened to it, he was in town for a week. And the more we listened to this album, the more I came to hate it. Right. And, uh, so metal's just not your thing. I just progressively hated it. And I'm just like, it's just not my thing. Mm. So, Look, all music is good mostly. So what I, I like Arik said, like you, I, it, it forced me to um, listen to this a bit differently. So like as a musician, we're all musicians here, well, to varying degrees. Like I think whether or not we like music or not, we can all appreciate good musicianship. And, you know, I fully appreciate what it is to be a gun jazz musician and I'll never be that player because I'd never have the time to commit or the patience to commit to doing that so it's actually no different in this genre like at all like mm. the level of skill and brain power it takes to execute this type of music is frankly mind-blowing i yeah. find like especially the drumming like mm. it's just and the guitar ridiculous i mean oh look i'm gonna say I'll, I'll say something about the guitar but um like have you ever met a metal drummer that wasn't rake thin and muscly like they're just like i i just see that they're all like these like muscle machines and the amounts of fitness to do a set of this music yeah, like let alone wild. rehearse it it's just next level like it's crazy and who's leading the band is it the, is the drummer the band leader usually no it's off well no i think in this case it's it's the guitarist okay he's he's the main he's the main force yeah um but you know they it's not uncommon for the guitarist to write the riffs and program the drums and then the drummer comes in and goes, right. I'll learn it and then add my flavor. That was my right. experience with the band that I worked with. Yeah. The, the guitarist but like Meshuggah, the drummer writes the lyrics and, um, you know, the, the and, and Diada's Murder as well, the guitarist writes the lyrics and kind of speaks the vocals 
and then gets the oh, vocalist to come in and scream them. Okay. But yeah, so there's there's kind of this balance between. But then in other cases, and I'm not sure what the situation is for for an autopsy, but I think you know, quite often the drums are programmed. The drummer comes in, learns the parts, adds their flavour. It's on mm. because let's be honest, a lot of it's either blasting, yeah, yeah. or you know, a big halftime riff. Yeah. Look, so I'm listening to this album objectively, like because that's what I want to do, and like I'm I'm I'll s- straight up, like I think I've made my call on this genre years ago. Like it's not it's not my thing, and I think like if I have to think about it, like what is it that I don't get? And I think that primal scream vocals, like it just it's like zero melodic intent on a lot of it, and I just don't I don't understand it. Like so I don't get that. Um, and is it because it's going throughout the whole record? Do you know what I mean? Like, like I remember, you know, not to compare, but I will compare. Um, like thinking about, like a band like Corn that kind of had a mix. There was yeah, that yeah. new metal time, Deftones as well, where it was this mix where there was some singing and there was some vocalizing and there was some rapping and then there was the screaming bit, mm. and it I guess made those screaming bits feel more powerful. Mm. But when it's just full scream the whole time, do you get the feeling of what the vocalist is trying to do? Yeah, I, I guess so. I guess that's it. Like I just don't know what what's happening. Like and I just don't really want to listen to the lyrics enough to, you know, it's it's not pleasant for me to listen to. Mm. So I stopped listening to it. Um, and the other thing I've never been a fan of specifically is the guitar tones. Mm. Like that's that heavy distortion – like using that now that I know what it is. That what was it? Jank, um, jank, jank, Like you know, it feels like it's just like super compressed, super distorted through a Marshall stack. So no, no but it's, it's so much more than that. Of man. course it is, Eric. Of course it is, right? I'm thinking of like when I used to rehearse next to Catwitch. Yeah, yeah. But um, you're thinking you you're just like taking yourself back to that. What's that? What was that Marabin rehearsal? No, no, room? it wasn't Marabin. It was the lighting lab in Box Hill. <laughs> And Catwitch and their Kingswood and Sound the, Factory just, or whatever. Just like it was. my God, this is just insanity. But they were so nice. They're nice guys. There you go. Um, so like, so I don't know. It's the sounds. It's the spectrum of the frequency. And like, I I like more clarity in my guitar tones. Like, and I I just don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't relate to that style. Anyway, so the mix profile when I was listening, <laughs> Kumar was just going to say was always listens to the mix profile. <laughs> and, <laughs> But um, looking at it objectively, I just found it really interesting, like the way the drums are mixed, like very roomy mm. up in the mix with that, you know, with the kick triggers and it's in your face. And and as I said, the bass reinforces it. But the cymbals, like they're so down in the mix, like mm. he's smashing it around. But like it, it's compared to what's going on with the kick and to a lesser extent the snare, the cymbals are so down in the mix which was which apart from a very pingy ride apart from a, like a ride which is like obviously meant to drive a rhythmic but all that sort of mm. crash stuff mm. is yeah. just so down i just thought that was kind of weird i but, think the the cymbal frequency often competes with that guitar tone though right you know, okay, because it it's because it? it's such a full crunch of the guitar the cymbal wash kind of sits somewhere behind it sometimes. yeah right okay mm. Mate, that's really yeah, that's actually probably right um like the mix itself, though, is so much uh, exercising, like making instruments have a relationship with other instruments generally. Mm. Um, it's more like, like in this genre, it feels like it sounds more like they're trying not to have a relationship 
which eat with each other sometimes and that everything needs to have its separate place. Like mm. there's so much separation mm. with all this stuff. Mm. So it's the complete opposite of what you consider a conventional pop mix to be. So when I think about it, that's kind of interesting, you know, mm. like it's because I, I, I always sort of, you know what I'm like, Eric, I like, I like the vibe and I don't care what it's like as long as it's a bit different. So yeah. what I liked about this was it's different and it's, mm. It does stuff that's not conventional, might be conventional in a deathcore sense, but um, like yeah, that that was that's what I took out of this. I, Were I, there any highlight songs on there for you? Uh, probably the pla- track I played, uh, the, which was the single, which so was my, my a, yeah, far from heaven. My A and R hat was my I well was, and truly was switched on, on. Point. Well, look, I think we've definitely you know I think that the I mean the thing that I'm hearing as a takeaway is. Both myself and Waz are kind of coming at this like from a kind of more curious lens with a lot of questions. Um, Chris, obviously, with a bit more kind of knowledge of the sort of internal machinations of this genre. But, you know, none of this uh, means anything. Yeah, until we rate it. Until we take it to Mr. Bubble. the Mr. Bubble car wash <laughs> open. Um, f- uh, how much would you pay over $15 rating scale? So oh, this is hard. Yeah, so I'm going to go. I th- I think Waza. I think the only way we're going to do this rating scale justice is if we go first, and then Chris comes in over the top. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to pay. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to the car wash, and um and today instead of uh the owner's son Will Putney, is gonna wash the car right and i and i roll up and will putney's there and and i'm like i'm looking at the 15 dollars sign and and will and will putney goes no 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 that is a dirty car it's not gonna be 15 dollars. it's gonna be um and, <laughs> and i need to think of what that figure is gonna be that's the whole the, point yeah, that I can I that's your, 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 your about to do that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if he was to say it's going to be this show long enough. <laughs> if, if it's going to be a hundred bucks, I'm going to go elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you did that in the last. What are you album. offering instead? I'm, I, I'm I'm offering for this record, um, <laughs> Dave, uh, you're not going to offend anyone. It's your podcast. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. Sixty bucks. Sixty bucks. Okay. 60. Yeah. I, I want Will Putney to wash my car. For sixty bucks, what's that out of ten? Uh that's probably about a look. I yeah, it's hard to rate, you know. Yeah. But I but I've, I have to be I have to be subjective because it's just you know what I'm gonna give it. I'll give it a. F- I want to listen to more of this music now. I'll give it a four. Okay, four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you, Chris? Uh, weren't we going with you first? Yeah, oh, you, that's right. yeah you. you don't get out of this, was. <laughs> I would go there. Uh, my rating and what I'd pay, Mr. Bubbles, are going to be two different things, all right? So if he said 100 bucks, I'm like, fuck off. I'm like, it says 15 on the side. Like, I'm not paying any more than 15. So it's 15. Oh, so you're like, going to, you're, okay, so you're only going to pay 15 bucks. I'll pay what it says. Yeah. Okay. But I'm still not going to, I wouldn't give it a zero. Like, I, th- I think. I just say I've got I can't rate this like in any objective sense. So I'm just gonna say I'm gonna go. There was there was parts of this I liked, and if nothing else, 
it's the first time I've listened to this kind of music objectively. So thank you for that because, you know, 1992 was a long time ago. It was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was 30, it's 30 years, years ago. ago. And I'm sure that this genre has like gone leaps and bounds. And, and Except it was, for the synth sounds. <laughs> yeah, that's the same. Oh, actually, I did listen to some death sounds, but I don't think that really counts. It's not matter. Um, no, it's not matter. It was. That's right. Um, so, look, I'm going to just say I'm going to split it five. Uh, five, five out of ten. Five. All right. Chris. Look, I'll pay, I'll pay 80 bucks. Okay. I'll pay 80 bucks and I'll give it. I'll give it a, a seven out of ten. All right, eighty bucks, seven out of ten. Yeah. All right, this is good. we're going all over the board. I so feel like if anyone's going to listen and take any sort of anything out of this review, that's the score. That's the score that it actually Go is. For it. Yeah, that's yeah. the score. Sure. All yeah. right, so that was, I think we should all give it sevens. All right, done. done. You know what? Straight seven. So how much did you pay? <laughs> Will? How much? How much did you pay the guy at the car wash? And was it Will Partney? Yeah, it was Will. Okay, so Will's cleaning the car, and you give him eighty bucks. Eighty bucks. Eighty. So it's eighty bucks across across. Okay, the board. done. I think bucks. Waza should stick with his fifteen, though. I mean, he's, yeah, he, he acknowledges he acknowledges that yeah, Waza has stuck with his fifteen. Seven out of ten. Yeah, yeah done. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's straight sevens across the board. That is, oh, what the future holds, fit for an autopsy. We'll be back with our third album right after this short little break. So our third album for the week is by the artist Yule and it's titled Glitch Princess. Oh, well, that's, is that how we thinking it is pronounced? Yep, it is. Uh, it's Yule, stylized as Yule. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go with it. Is the music, music project of Singaporean songwriter and producer Nat Camille, born Natasha Yellen-Chang. Formed in 2012... It incorporates elements of ambient glitch and Asian post-pop. The name Yule is derived from the Final Fantasy character of the same name, spelled differently, as well as their middle name. Camille mm-hmm. was born Natasha Yellen Chang in Singapore, where they attended school. They first started playing music at the age of six on their parents' Yamaha piano and learned classically uh, classical music, although eventually dropped out of taking lessons and wanted to explore something more challenging, which led them to guitar and drums. I, I love that that's like a part of someone's bio that's like literally every child's yeah story do you know what i mean it's like insert any child that's ever done music ever yeah. that's the story but then normally don't they like go on a trip to uh, paris where they went to school oh yeah they and got then a, they yeah, get they discovered that's true yeah yeah anyways <laughs> let's stop shit um so they i mean but it's just a pr yeah, like that's true. Bio that just was well, like so generic. We've been talking about the fact that you should be in a music industry <laughs> PR guy for enough time now. Yeah. It's time. It's time. It is um, time. Okay, so um, you know they later went on to sing jazz in a band under, under the name Riot Diet. Great. Oh, name. that's a good name. Yeah. Covering songs from Ella Fitzgerald and the Pixies, which is that's one great. of the great jazz bands. Now, that's a good bio. Any fit for an autopsy in there? Yeah, yeah. any fit for an autopsy. <laughs> After graduating from high school, they applied to... The Holy Trinity, you reckon? Yeah, it is the Holy Trinity. After graduating from high school, they applied to Central St. Martin's to study 
fashion communication and women's wear. Going up, um, I'll get past this early stuff. No, it's so good. It's okay, so good. Sorry. Growing up, <laughs> feelings of loneliness and depression were present due in part to their nomadic upbringing. They found solace on the internet, which would influence their later works, which actually is an important thing. I think. Just drop MySpace now. We're, we're yeah. so there. Their first release under Yule's uh, was their first, uh, was their self titled EP on March 3rd, 2014. So they've been around for a while. Okay. 2016, another EP. 2017, a third EP. With regards to the writing for that EP, Camille said, I wrote this album to commemorate the people I've lost. Okay. Um, it received positive reception with Duncan Cooper of The Fader, describing it as dream pop perfection. They signed to Bayonet Records 2019. They released their debut studio album in 2019. And we get to where we are now, which is their new record um, released in 2022. Okay, so do you, how did you come across this one, Marek? Um, I think it was just, you know, I, I do a lot of searching in Spotify for just new albums and this kind of showed up. So I was like, let's give this a crack. And um, There's no previous relationship? No previous relationship. You and um, look, I'm just going to cut to the chase of like, I guess my overall feeling of this, like I guess recently, you know, Facebook's launched the metaverse. This is the music for the metaverse. This is like, I mean, you could, I can't, I can't imagine more of an androidy, androgynous kind of non-human. You think it was made by AI, do you? It felt like that's, it did, it felt like that's what the artist was trying to create the persona of that being the maker of the record. Yeah. That was my immediate thing. And I know there's a few, uh, you, you might have met them in your journeys, Chris, but there's a few kind of new AI kind of crew mm. making music out out here. It's very big in Asia at the moment as well. Um, this was like, this is the music for that. I I, I felt like this, if it was a, it, a live performance of this felt like it was going to be performed by an avatar yes. in an episode of Black Mirror. Yes. Yeah. Like that's kind of, I was like, this is it. Yep. Hundred percent. That's exactly that was exactly the feeling, but it's interesting. Was, you guys have been to Singapore though, haven't yeah. you? Like that, it mm. does feel quite Asian in that respect, doesn't mm. it? And I don't mean that in any. What do you mean though? Of, like, like just the um the digital sort of way that you know you sort of you feel the modernism of 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 life when you go over there, and and everything feels really high tech and Singapore digital. though. You reckon? Like, uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I think when I've been in Singapore, I felt like that. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, this to me. I, I guess my yeah I, I I hear what you're saying about I mean I guess that continent is clearly the the fastest adopters of the the boundaries by which I think technology can move move things and I think for for whatever reason perhaps culturally that I get more openness to that kind of almost like role playing creativity that one can have mm. with like an avatar based music or an AI based kind of thing. I I mean I'm like I feel as though from a Singapore point of view, my understanding being being you know I guess a bit one of the more conservative countries on the continent. I was surprised to see this come from Singapore. I thought this was more like a China mm. kind of a thing, um, but I mean where to go with this one? It's like I mean we really need to get someone from Singapore because I um we yeah, played, yeah. played a big sound a few years ago with an artist from Singapore who was quite you know, out there in this 
this sense as well, but it was very th- theatrical and I was like, this is really kind of interesting. So well, it's a pretty what- diverse scene out there. Like, I mean, you would have run some song hubs out in Singapore, wouldn't you? Be? Yeah, I think we have. I'm not sure. But- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but look, I, I think they do a lot of, you know, like the Music Matters conference that goes out there and, you know, they, yeah. they do try and find people out there. For, but I mean, the, uh, the way that Yule presents themselves is like an art an art form in itself. Yeah, yeah. So yep. are you talking about uh, visually? Visually. Okay, yeah. I haven't searched that yet. Very different from the last album, Visuals, which we didn't really touch on. Yeah. So it's yeah. Always, it is yeah. Avatar-y. It is avatar but if you watch, uh, there's, a, there's a live performance that I watched where they play um, a, a live performance with a, a cellist and then there's someone who's kind of just uh, triggering things in the background and their their uh, costume is insane yeah. and they absolutely shred on the keys right. on, a, on a piano playing like Claire de Lune or something like that. Okay. Uh, it's very it's dark. It's frightening. It's terrifying. It's very dark. In what, what respect? The aesthetic is the really, aesthetic. really okay. kind of terrifying. Like, I mean, I guess apocalyptic. I don't know if, I don't know if apocalyptic would even be the right word. It's it's something else, right? Like it's well, it's future apocalyptic. Like it's yeah, very right, futuristic. Yeah, yeah, it's dystopian. But, but, but almost like yeah. it's almost like it's here already. It's not like projecting a futureness. Right. It's like there is no hope. There, yeah, it's yeah. very hopeless. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Um. Yeah. Right, okay, I've but, just been shown it, a picture. Right, yeah, that's a bit scary. It is very scary. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, I mean, look, I think to me, going through the record, um, you know, some of that sort of more like, you know, I almost call it like flume electronic drop kind of weird vocal music. None, probably should have reached out to her and said she's doing really well. You should have. You should <laughs> have, yeah, yeah, just send, send her a little message. <laughs> send them a little message, sorry. Um, sorry, And then... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've got here Eyes. I thought that was an okay song. Perfect Blue featuring Toji. Um, don't Be So Hard on Your beauty, Own Beauty was my favourite, yeah. which is what you've led with. I also thought, I mean, I'd, I'd marked I Love You, the I, you know, um, symbol three, you. That was nice. And Mandy. Um, but overall, this record didn't grab me. I think, you know, I think it's one like you know. There's some good numbers on this record as well. I think. Um, I think my feeling is, listeners or industry want to see this do well because it's doing a thing which no one's doing. But I cannot say that this is a good record. I I thought it was kind of shit. Um, to be honest, like it's interesting, but like. I, Which I, is it's funny you say that because, like, you know, you look at the reviews for this album, yeah, and they are big, yeah. Like, there's ten out of tens, yep. eight and a half out of tens. Like, Ooh. who's reviewing them though? Good question. Because when you read both the reviews, it's sort of like well, they didn't really talk about the music much. It's sort mm. of more. That's right. It's 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 people rooting for this artist to do something because I guess there's, there's an artistry to it, but as an output of music. Like, do something else. That's kind of my overarching thing. And then, of course, you get to your track 13, which is 284 minutes long. And I had that going all afternoon. I kind of liked it. It was kind of cool, but it was also very – didn't mesh with the record at all. Like, 
It just felt like it should be an Eno track or something. Yeah. 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 It, but it didn't seem to me like um, it actually had a place on the record. It felt like a totally different style. And I don't know. Uh, this thing to me, like, I did like the the, the guitar one, which was the Don't Be So Hard on Your I mean, Own like, Beauty. I mean, if you're talking about didn't belong on the record, then like that Don't Be So Hard on Your Own Beauty, like that came out of nowhere. It's like an you know, like indie acoustic track from like grunge era. And um, mm. it was, while it was beautiful, um, yeah, it was cool. It, it's 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 the track that least sounds like any other song on the album, I thought. But um, if you look at the metrics at roughly a million plays on Spotify, it has nearly five hundred thousand more than any other song on the album. So, as an artist, would you be happy um, that if that was the song that was you know making you know, getting all the plays about everything else on the record mm. sounded like differently. It's, it's kind of like felt to me like the song that you forgot to delete off the demos that you sent to the label and then they made you put it on the album. And they liked it. Yeah, yeah. they really liked it. Oh, this is the one. This is the one. <laughs> so you put it at track five or six so you have to actually get a vibe for it. Hey, but just anyway, FYI, sorry, like I'm, I'm just skimming like a pitchfork review here. Yeah, it got so, 8.3 8. or something. But, you know, like. it's like it's all crossing over with that NFT stuff. Like, yeah. You know, that's the thing, you mm. know. I just think, to me, this sounds like an early adoption of a technology, but, like, I don't know if it's necessarily the kind of... It's a mini-disc. You know, torch bearer. It's a mini-disc or a Blu-ray player. Well, maybe in, like, the vacuum of time and space whereby, like, all music is ambient glitch music, then this would rate really highly. Like, but but, is, but this has been done. Yeah, that's, that's I, right. I agree. It ha- totally has been done it's before. It's like Aphex this, Twin, but just not as good. No, but but it's, it's, it's been done for, do like, you remember, 20 or 30 Do you remember Moom? Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. This the like Icelandic. Icelandic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's Moom 2.0. Yeah, it's, it's I, I, I got nothing air. different. I wrote air a little no, bit. No, not air. Definitely yeah, but air. Bjork, air, Aphex, yeah. Moom. Yeah. It's all. It was all done in the early 2000s. Yeah. That's right. I agree. But, but, totally so agree. So why is it so? Because it's just it's cyclical. But now it's completely yeah. overproduced. And it, yeah, overly produced. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. Who's um, next? Well, you know, do you want to? I'll, I'll go quickly if it's okay. Like, you sure. know, I thought the opener was was kind of interesting. Like, you know, name checking sort of. It's kind of like you had the blue pill mm. instead of the red pill. Yeah, and you, like, you totally had the blue pill. We, and you know, it's like drug abuse and reclusivity and self harm and intimacy issues and um, yeah, well, that was powerful. I thought, but I don't know. I'm gonna go there, okay? Like we listen. You go to, to the mix profile. I'm gonna get the mix profile. <laughs> but like you know, we listened to Adele on the weekend last week, and they sounded amazing, yep. right? They sounded freaking incredible. And so, you know, she's they've obviously done this on like Omnisphere or something, like you know, some sort of, you know, there's lots of ambient synth pads. They do it on noise the noise um, production. What 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 mic stand do they use? They Shut use up, Ari. Um, but like that's oh, the oxygen. The oxygen. I, oxygen. I just made out that word. Now, um. The um, the so you've got all this sort of digital, hyper digitally produced um software synths, yep. and then you've got their vocals, and like it's the only analog, sort of, um thing on the whole album, and it was just mixed bad. I it was it was hardly bad. analog it in was, the end. It was just it was not good. Like you know, make it sound good. Like, I agree with you. Was I think I was getting really angry at it. Like it could have been so much so much more depth and air. And like presence and the mix, and it felt like it was recorded in the bedroom. It was a bit. Be- it seems like it was a bedroom recording. It was entirely self-produced. Oh, okay, assuming you that you know lockdown happened. Was it? Sing- yeah, yeah. There's uh, that. Uh, Yule is the key producer. There's one other person that's kind of 
shows up. Right. Um, and imagining if it was done in Singapore through their lockdown, uh, if that w- it would make perfect sense that it would have been a bedroom. Maybe, maybe, Arik, it's just a metaphor for analog in a digital world. Maybe. That's also true. I don't know, but I didn't like it. Um, and, yeah, yeah, I mean, we've talked about it. It sounded like, you know, Blade Runner 3033 or something. Mm. But not, not anything that had been done before. Um, you know, just really quickly, sorry to interrupt, but like reading this Pitchfork review, there's not a single bit in this review that actually says what the reviewer thinks of I, the record. I said that. This is quite common you in know, these Pitchfork reviews. All they reviews. do just, is just go, it, this happens, this happens, this happens, 8.3 out of 10. I'm not bagging yeah, a Pitchfork. Fucked. But yeah, that's what I, I just said that literally five minutes ago. Yeah, but, but, ba- but basically it's like it feels like a lot of times it's just um, them talking like, you know, just spilling out <laughs> verses of verbiage that just don't mean anything to do with the music. And it's actually quite frustrating when they give it an 8 or 9 out of 10. There's yes. no actual critical analysis. There's no analysis. actually critical analysis. That's of right. Not, not like much this, like not this like podcast. This podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, like I, I thought it, I wrote down interstellar vibes. Which, oh, very good analogy. Which I kind of like interstellar. Yep. But, um, you know, this week for me it's all about getting on the dance floor and creating anarchy and this wasn't that album and I thought it could yeah could have been better yeah look I, I thought that that opening track kind of made it uneasy which kind of was good you yeah, know yeah, like yeah. I kind of went this is nice it's kind of put me off kilt I'm yeah. thinking what's next you know yeah. I actually kind of did not feel good no, during no. that which, track which, is a, which, is which a, I'm sure was the intention yeah um agree. but but overall I, I think the production kind of distracted me from the songs to the point of I was kind of it, it was it was detracting from the songs to the like where you're going, what are you what's happening over here? When you're concentrating more on the the you know, the barrage of plugins, you're not thinking of the song itself. Mm. Um so I kinda and, and then when you do get to the songs, you're like, well, there's actually not much chop here either. Yes. So um I thought some of it was kind of well done. I thought when it did get to that sort of EDM more digital sound. I thought that was probably more suited to their style. Um, I thought the guitar song was the 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 "Don't Be So Hard on You" is probably the most song song. Yeah. But the rest were kind of structurally all over the shop. There was no definitive sort of mold around the way that the songs were written, which is okay. But that's fine. That's but fine. I did, but I, but it didn't hit the mark no, in that right. in that yeah. point. As yeah, you well. still got to hit the. It's A still mark. it's still got to like I, I wrote that structure wise it's very unique, but it didn't make me listen to it again. I think sometimes yeah, like there right. was a, like a if a if a if a three year old gets on a synthesizer that would also be structurally that's, that's unique. Structurally unique. <laughs> I, I think in some points there was some, lots of space, which was good. Like there was some room around, yeah. you know, the, the tracks. I think fragments, which is one of the tunes, was kind of that nailed the the song and the style and the production kind of all together. But fragments, fragments, yeah, it was the kind of big, that, noisy, dancey one. It's kind of in the middle, and once I mean, again, some of the noise stuff was really good on the record. Yeah, I, that that was the kind of big, yeah, yeah, noisy yeah, one. Yeah, 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 and yeah. once again, to me, I, I thought that, and I know we kind of discussed this with the Wombats album, but the, the track listing was all over the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of thought it was either between it being an Avatar and a Black Mirror episode, or you know, when you go into a museum sometimes and you've got the dark space and you put the headphones on and you kind of watch something, it feels like that should have been the soundtrack to it a little bit. Installation. Yeah, like an installation. In like, I just 
couldn't figure out how that would be delivered live, which is why I had to go and watch it happen live. And what did it look like? It was fucking awesome. It did yeah. oh, okay. it was it was a it was a um sonar uh paid performance thing. So it was a, a dress set that that the artist looked unbelievable, shredded on and uh, they played eyes. Um it's worth a look, actually. Yeah. It's yeah, it's great. really impressive. Sonar, like visually. S-O-N-A-R. Yeah. S-O-N-A-R. So like as a performance and as a visual thing it's really impressive yeah um and i you kind of get it more when you see that but to me like the lyrics were dark man like there were some moments where i'm thinking if i was an angsty teen on you know pissed off with tiktok and i listened to that i'd be like this person gets me i'm into it you know Mm. i i kind of think that might that's why i asked who's reviewing it because maybe it is that young you know disenfranchised teenager who's reading about someone who wants to cut themselves or whatever and it's like, yeah, okay, yeah. well, maybe that, that speaks to me. Like yeah. as, as Marilyn Manson did to kids in the early 2000s. Yeah, what the yes. fuck do we know? We're just reviewing actually the music. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, but, yeah. you know, there's this whole other level. I, I really think, music. and when you said that the um, importance that, that they relied a lot on the internet as a child, that that like totally rung a bell to me. I'm like, okay, well, that explains most of the lyrics because yeah. they are really intense lyrics and quite candid in the way that yeah, they yeah. were spoken about, you yeah. know. I mean, I think it does certainly achieve, like, if the artist is seeking to, like, create a feeling of uneasiness, they succeed. Again, it's just, you know, I just, I think, I just don't think it's hard. Like, this is real. This is going to be. looking so for the heart, Eric. No, but, like, like, if your intent is to do, is to create unease, it's actually it's not a hard thing to do. Mm, that's true. Um, it's so the cha- the challenge to meet that isn't that high. Um, you know, in essence, like what would have been even more, I mean, I'm not reproducing the album, but like, okay, they had a cool vocal effect on it. To be honest, if it was like 12 tracks of just them speaking, that would have been totally fucking twisted. Mm. But like, it's like when the music comes in, that almost like placates all of that. Yeah, un- un- uneasiness. Um, and I think what they were going for was the big dark lyrics with the jangly kind of poppy, yeah. pretty sounding vocally thing. Yeah, and I don't think that worked. And I think you know that like like we're saying that was done so much better in the early two thousands without sounding like an old fucking geezer. No, but, not- but I, like I actually went and listened to the old Moom records and went, no, nah, this is much better. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. and and feels more genuine. What it doesn't feel one? as was it Sigur Ross? Sigur Ross, yeah. yeah, all that stuff. Like to me, that's. If 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 the artist wasn't influenced by that or didn't try and reference that at some point, then I've I'll eat my hat. Like I yeah. really think it was a thing, and um, yeah, I just think it wasn't done well. That's all. Yeah, I think we're on the same page, really. Um, uh, let's um, should we take it? Should we take I think it to, we'll to, take to the it. bubble car wash? Let's take it to Mr. Bubbles. Not Mr. Bubbles. Mr. Bubble. Mr. Bubble. Singular. That's so bad, isn't it? You really. <laughs> Okay, so if if I was to show up in the car and uh and I'm expecting a fifteen dollar car wash, I reckon I'm paying fifteen dollars for the car wash, five out of ten. Five out of ten. Yeah, I think that's pretty yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go um I'm gonna go five point five out of ten. I'm gonna pay I'll pay thirty dollars because I think there's some you know, there's some artistic intent here, it just didn't hit the mark. Yeah, okay. Uh, look if I, I I've seen it live, having too, having too seen having seen a little bit of it, uh yeah, I'll pay, I'll pay forty bucks. Uh, no, I'll, fifty. You're okay. gonna pay fifty bucks. Yeah, 
I got and, pineapple. And that, and that, and that is uh, – and what's a 50 equivalent to? In the, uh, six. Six. Okay, All six. Right. So okay. we've got a yeah. 15, which is a five, a – I think if we go to Metacritic now and add in our scores, it'll bring the actual like sum total of what they've got down to probably a better level. I think than all right, eights well, to tens. Let's get That's on not to being that. brutal. We'll get on to that. Um, sorry, we've got a, a five, a five point five, and a six out of ten. Mm. All right, so that is Glitch Princess by Yule. That brings us to the end of the All Music Is Good podcast, episode thirty-five. Your pen, penultimate show. My penultimate show, which is always one of those words that I get confused with final show, but penultimate being the second last. Correct. So we'll, we'll have more on that. We'll have more on the succession plan <laughs> next week. We wait with bated breath. It's almost, it's literally <laughs> Thanks, like. Thanks, Chris. What, that means a lot, actually. Thank you. What's his, Someone um, is waiting. Uh, what, what's that show? What's the lead guy in succession called? Roy. Um, I haven't watched it. Logan Roy, I think his name is. I haven't Anyways. watched it either. Oh, great show. Anyways. Um, Maybe next lockdown. Kendall Roy. Anyways, I'll, I'm going to stop with this. <laughs> Wrap keep, it up, keep Eric. going. Wrap it up, Eric. Wrap it up. Chris, a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's been, a it's been a whole lot of fun. We look forward to more of you and more of Waza in the future. I feel like there is another I episode think there's with one. Chris. There's another one left He's in himself, you know, It's a good yeah. first start. Oh, it's absolutely. absolutely. Thank uh, you. <laughs> this has been the All Music Good podcast. Thank you, Waza, for keeping us on track as always. We'll see you next, next uh, well, I, we're going to have a few episodes coming out in, in this short time frame. Just say, we'll see you soon. We'll next see time. You soon. See you next time. We'll see you next time. Thank Beautiful. you, Chris. Good night. Good night. Good night.